0: team episode of the Jim Cornette experience where today I have seen the future of wrestling and it's a Steiner we're going to cover the shocking event on AEW television where a wrestling match broke out and our watch along palate cleanser today Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper and now joining me Hawaiian Brian, the podcasting lion, the king of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network, Mister Co-host to you. He's the Sid Barrett of podcasting without the LSD. The great Brian Last, everybody.
1: Aloha, Jim. A pleasure to be here once again. And I agree, without the LSD. But hey, magic mushrooms. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, a few on your pizza. No,
0: not on, never on the pizza. Not what are on you the nuts? You don't want mushrooms? Oh, will on the you pizza? stop? Will you stop it? <laughs> Oh my gosh! I've had what a week I've had, and I'm I'm full of life and energy and vim and vigor here today, as you can tell. You, on the other hand, sound a little downtrodden and depressed. We'll try to pick you up, Brian, along this program here today. A lot of stuff going on. We have made a new acquisition here at Castle Cornet. I've told you about this, but I I don't know whether the people have heard about it or not. I got stace a brand new car and and i know what people are saying well you just got her one it was 11 years ago well i get her one every 11 years whether she needs a new one or not because that's the kind of guy i am (laughs) and what what are you scoffing about every 11 years because that's the kind of guy you are well yeah i'm not going to deprive my beloved betrothed one of having all the modern convenience and everything, every 11 years, like clockwork. Why not 10 years? Well, now we'd just be wasteful. It's a matter with you. 10 years, you get more than 10 years out of a car. I've had black beauty for 15 this uh, this fall. When do you buy yourself a new car? Well, uh, there's a problem with that. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Because we go over there, it's a Jeep Compass. And now when I when I first heard Jeep, I'm like, wait a minute. What, are we going to go out in the fucking wilderness in the panhandle or fucking hunting alligators? We need a Jeep. We're going to be military. No, Jeep now makes apparently all kinds of vehicles. This is a nice, shiny, uh, little compact SUV type of thing, plenty of room to ride around in it, and the the seats fold down, you got the back flips up, got storage space there and everything, but they're sitting down, Stace and the salesman, we ordered it to specifications, it took a while, came in, right? And she's asking him questions. And I bought a few cars, I think we tallied up, what, here a while back, I've had eight cars in my lifetime. Since 1977, I've had eight of them. Most of them have ended up with about 300,000 miles on them. But anyway, I bought a few cars. I've never asked the questions that she is asking this guy because she's researched this model and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and they're talk, she's talking about, now, do I need a subscription to this or just a subscription to that? Or can I download this app? And he's like, oh, you can download the app and sync up to the fucking Framostat. And I'm like, what are you people talking about? This car, not only, I mean, it needs the internet, I guess, to to operate, for one thing. But the, the her cell phone can be synced up, and the you can speak uh, on the phone over the speakers and hear the phone <laughs> call back over the speakers. And also, it's got a built-in TV screen on the dashboard. Not like my little GPS in Black Beauty, but there's this giant TV screen. And it's got all these icons and little fucking things. And she said, I'm trying to turn the radio up. I can't figure out how to fucking play the radio on this. Right. But it's got a backup camera and a camera. She turned the camera on forward going forward. When we were driving down the interstate, I said, turn that off. That will make me ill. I mean, it's, it's a bigger screen than my first television when I was a kid. And also, there's no key. You get in, you punch a button, it starts. You don't stick a key in the goddamn deal. And well, can I stop you? These... Can I can I stop you based what? on based on yes.
1: several things you have just said? Yes. When was the last time you looked at a new car?
0: The last time I bought Stacy's Ford Focus, it, it was a two thousand eleven. Well, we got it in two thousand. Was it 2000, 2011. So eleven years. It's a 2012 or whatever the fucking case. We got it in 2000. That's the last time I looked at a new car. Because most of the things you're mentioning are pretty standard. In well, cars that's now. apparently that's the case. And therein lies part of the problem. I'm about to tell you because now it also this thing and the salesman said she asked about it. He said, oh, yes, it turns itself off at red lights. If you if you come to a stop and you're sitting at a red light, the engine turns off automatically and it turns I say, Oh no. And he says, Oh, you can manually override that. I said, You better goddamn manually override that. I'm not in a gonna be traveling in a car on a public street where the engine goes off on its own without me wanting to, regardless what purpose it's for, right? This is one of the issues out there right now that even I'm not comfortable with.
1: The idea of the smart car, the car that changes lanes for you, the car that does everything so you can just lay yeah. it back and have an easy time. I'm all about, I want to control everything in there. I can't
0: sit back and, I, I've been going through the same thing, I'm looking for a new car too. No, that, that whole thing about doing it yourself, no, I don't trust people to be smart, much less shit that people build to be smart. I'm the smart one in that car. And I'm not going to be allowing the car to go into business for itself. But anyway, and I'm like Mama Cornette. If she was in the car, she was driving. See, that's the thing. Not only have I not looked at a new car, but think about this. I've had black beauty since 2007, so that's 15 years. I don't ride with anybody. If I'm in a vehicle, I'm driving every great once in a while. Stacy will drive if I'm with her and she's in her vehicle or if, if whatever the case. But normally, and that's only around town, I never, so I've not only not looked for new vehicles, I've not been in any other vehicle really, <laughs> except for mine or hers in 15 years. So the point being, we get this thing home, right? And she's out there in the garage and it's cold, right? And she, I'm working on signing Cornet's Collectibles merchandise. And I realize she's been out there for a while. And I'm I go out there and she's sitting in a driveway in the car. And she said, Well, I've now I've synced up this button here to the garage door. So we can I can open the garage door. I said, Well, we had a remote for the garage door to begin. Well, but now I can do it like this. Okay. I said, well, what's the problem? Well, now the radio won't work. And she had called a fucking salesman to spend 30 minutes on the phone with him figuring out how to get the radio back on. It's a goddamn college course you've got to take to operate this thing. I don't know what all it'll do yet, and I'm scared to find out. But here's the thing. I was thinking, well, I've got almost 300,000 miles on Black Beauty. Remember, I've been saying this for a couple of years. I was at 297 when the pandemic broke out in the last two years i'm now i'm at 298.5 right um when i get to three hundred thousand miles i was going to buy one more brand new ford expedition and that's the last vehicle i'll ever buy myself in my life so how am i going to get to another three hundred thousand miles ain't going to happen Well, now i'm afraid i won't be able to goddamn work it the salesman said oh they don't make too many stripped down vehicles anymore i want all the good shit that used to be on cars For safety and convenience, I want the four-wheel drive, the automatic and the low and the high four-by-four. I want the big old badass all-weather tires that can move around in snow and rain. I want the fog lights. I want the power seats with heat and air where your ass can be alternately cold or hot no matter what the fucking weather. I want... all the the safety features and the comfort. The built-in GPS is nice, but I've always got a Rand McNally Road Atlas in the seat back. And the satellite radio is is just a godsend. But otherwise than that, I don't want it to drive anything else by itself. I want to operate everything. And I want it to be easy because I don't want to be distracted while I'm driving down the highway. And the biggest thing is size. I don't, nobody out in public knows how to drive these days. I want size, size matters. I want to be driving a tank to protect myself from these maniacs. And just anybody say, oh, Cornette thinks he's a great driver. Well, 300,000 miles in that one fucking vehicle, I've not goddamn committed any offenses. So there you go.
1: And you've proven in the past an uh, amazing ability to evade any sort of trouble in your car.
0: So you are a good driver, I would say. That's right. Evade it, go around it, drive over the top of it or them, <laughs> whatever the case may be. And, that's, and, I, and I like having that car key in my pocket also so I can leave anytime I want to. And if now they're not even making it. Well, the key comes out of the little, what do they call them, a fob? right the fob there now we've established that i was calling them the unlocker gimmick uh the the key comes out of that i guess if you want to show it to somebody but you don't need i don't know what the fuck i thought black beauty came with the um the keypad of numbers on the door the unlocker gimmick on the keypad on the door right one day i'm over at the car wash And they accidentally closed the door and locked the keys in the car when they were wiping it off after the wash. And the guy comes up and says, amigo. So what's your, and I'm not being an asshole, that's what he said. He's a a Hispanic guy and we called each other amigo. He he was a regular fellow there. Amigo, what's your uh, code? I said, I don't fucking know. I use the goddamn key or the unlocker gimmick, which is in the fucking truck now. See, these things happen to me. You gonna get a new car, Brian? I think so, yeah. What are you gonna get? I don't know, because apparently everywhere I go they tell me there's a shortage. A shortage of of just every car in the world. <laughs> of everything I want. Of every car. <laughs> it's a shortage. <laughs> we'll see what is, happens. Is, is your current car running all right? It runs great. Well, good. Run it up your ass then. Well, what? So <laughs> That's that went around. The Mid-South Locker Room in 1984, like a wildfire. This is how grown adults, graduates of major universities, many of them amused themselves, is every time a new guy would come in the locker room, they'd say, boy, the trips are bad here. How's your car running? He'd say, oh, it's running good. Well, run it up your ass then. And then they'd laugh and walk off. And then when people started getting smart to that, I switched it up. Because nobody wanted to answer, how's your car running anymore? So I said, hey, I just had to get a brake job. God damn it, cost a fortune. How's your brakes? Oh, they're good. Well, break them off and shove them up your ass then. And pretty soon, nobody would answer a question about their cars. You know what? We will answer a question about the magic (laughs) feather bottoms. The magic feather bottoms? I am calling them the magic feather bottom. Not only is Hotchkiss Feather Bottom... Just a gift from above, a gift from the merchandise gods, but also Aunt Fanny and Uncle Felcher. They are amazing. I'll have you know. Remember I've talked in the past when I've been giving the updates on the merchandise and the customers out there waiting for their stuff, and I keep saying, well, I, guys, it's going to take me another month or six weeks. You know what the fuck? I don't know what to say. Uh, people would email me and, They'd say, where's my shit? And I'd I'd write them, I don't know, I think it went out last week, and then I'd have to go find the receipts from the post office. My record was an 18-and-a-half-foot-long receipt from the post office for one shipping day. And I'd find the tracking numbers, or I'd just throw my hands up near us. It'll get there eventually, and then I'd send them another one later, whatever the case. Well, this thing is operating now like a goddamn business, I'll have you know. And it's the only thing that Fanny and Felcher can't do is they're not good on driving over here to pick stuff up, because what with Felcher not having a left arm and Fanny not having a right arm, they have to sit in each other's lap to drive behind the wheel, and it, it gets a little comp because there's still four legs hanging down, so they get flummoxed on who's supposed to be working the brake and the gas. But otherwise, they've got this thing running. As of Tuesday, March the 29th, this coming Tuesday, everything that has been purchased at jimcornett.com through Friday, March 25th will be in the mail. How about three-day, four-day turnaround? It's amazing. It would have taken me. Of course, all the Christmas variant action figures are gone, but more on that later. Perfect timing. But this would have been chaos, and the Featherbottoms have not only done this, Brian, I'll have you know. And some people out there say, saying, oh, Cornette, see, we told you you should have done this a long time ago. You know what the problem with that was, Brian, that they were saying was the you. You, Jim Cornette, should have figured out how to do all this shit a long time ago. Well, no, because I, Jim Cornette would have fucking yanked every goddamn cable and wire out of my fucking walls of my house and thrown all the merchandise out in the backyard and set it on fire before I figured out how they're doing this. And you know that Brian to be somewhat an accurate representation. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But not only have they speeded this thing up, but who else Brian last in the world today in this dreary Cold hearted dog eat dog and you're wearing milk bone underwear world. Is anybody lowering prices? I'll give you a minute. No one. It's the stupidest thing you could do right now. Well, that's why we're doing it. (laughs) Don't get excited, folks. We're not actually lowering the prices of the merchandise because, as Brian did mention, that would be stupid because this shit is already so it's so cheap. My God. People are buying stuff just to give it away. That's how cheap it is. However, the Feather Bottoms have figured out scientifically through all the feedback that this, because not only, not only does the site email people when they order and then email people again when the thing is shipped out and then it actually emails them again when they get it. They the the mailman hands them the package and they turn around and open their email and the email is telling them, hey, that mailman has handed you the package. And I'll have you know that the featherbottom's got somebody to stand on the corner of every goddamn subdivision in America to keep an eye on these people's houses, just so that we would know. But past that, it also has analyzed the shipping charges we have been able to lower the international shipping charges because beforehand i was just having to eyeball and take a look at it and go to the window and see what it went for and blah 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 not only do you get a discount with stamps.com and it's not it doesn't take an hour for me at the post office window anymore just to ship 20 international packages and the information is all computerized so as of right now folks International customers, Canada and the rest of the world, we have cut the shipping charge on the action figures between $10 and $15. And if you order multiple items from a non-United States location, you're going to save $20 or more on total if you get everything in the shop. We have lowered the international shipping charges. Brian, Brian, I think the feather bottoms deserve a round of applause. Sounds more like an FFA meeting than my well, hold on, where's my other applause? Here let me try this. That's a bigger crowd. Do them together. Hold on, wait, let me see what that would sound like. Hold on a second. Well fuck, now it sounds like AEW Dynamite. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, it's obviously sounds more realistic than the WWE sweetening because we can look at the crowd and tell that they're dead. People said you have to hold a mirror in front of the WWE fans mouse, tell whether they're still alive or not at this point. Anyway, so that all that I talked about was prefacing. And what, by the way, again, what do you think, Brian, lowering prices in this day and age because of the excellent service, the feather bottoms are giving me, you can't, you can't beat that with a stick. I wouldn't, do that if you beat me with a stick there's inflation you can't lower prices right now you're insane well no we were charging right, crazy on that sh- on that shipping, and we and we've lowered that down to benefit our international customers and actually domestic folks if you order one of everything we've lowered the cap on on you Would obviously if unless you just order one eight by 10 picture. You're going to pay more on shipping if you order everything in the store, but we have lowered that cap also. So you might notice some savings, but it's all in anticipation of action figure Armageddon. We've made this announcement. The last few shows, for the longtime cult members out there who have been demanding new merchandise, Cornette, you haven't put anything new out in the past two or three years. We've got all your shit. We had your number as soon as you walked in the door. That's what they're saying. And when are you going to come up with something new? Well, the answer is Saturday, April 2nd at noon eastern at com. That is when new and old, young and old, fat and short, all of you, can get new stuff that nobody has seen and nobody has, and it may not last long, the official Jim Cornette commentator playset, a brand new action figure from the folks at Figures Toy Company, of me and my announcer outfit, a completely new color scheme, with an announcer's desk, two chairs, two microphones, two monitors, and two headsets in a display box. I mean, you can set it on the shelf there and I can stare down at you or you can take it out and set it up and I can call the action on your various action figure super shows. If you're a person who does that kind of thing, super show or super shows. Well, the action figures, they get together every once in a while. They have a big card. They do. They hot shot the thing. Yeah. And then they all fight. Hold on, why do you assume that everyone who's booking
1: action figure federations is hotshotting? Don't you think that's unfair to the amateur bookers who are the leaders in the fantasy wrestling community?
0: No, no. I'm saying not all of them. (laughs) I'm saying every once in a while they have a big show where they hotshot it and they get all together. And they have smaller action figure shows around the country, sort of an independent action figure circuit. That's where Tony Khan got all his experience. I don't think you but understand now, the action figure circuit, but go ahead, please. Well, with Jim Cornette now calling the action on whatever you're doing, you'll at least have good announcing. Even if your talent is still outlaw mud show, whether it's action figures or out of whatever kind of action you got going on in your house, my commentator playset will call it by cracky. And if, if you go to JimCornette.com right now on the homepage, you can see a beautiful banner with pictures of this, this wonderful box set. There will be only 1,500 of these available at jimcornette.com. They, of course, can be personally autographed and to your specifications. And since I don't get out a lot anymore, this is the only way you're going to get my autograph, except if I send you a check, and that's highly unlikely. Also, in addition to the commentator play set, to commemorate and discombobulate the infamous run-in that i had with paulie dangerously some 35 years ago when when he was lighter than me in body weight uh on tbs and he cracked me over the head with that brick cell phone the jim Cornette bloody variant replicating the white jacket the same suit that i'm wearing the blood-soaked aftermath of this attack and this one comes with glass and the new glasses by the way people have said the old glasses that somehow that i got Saddled with on my old figure made me look like Drew Carey. We now have new glasses replicating my designs and microphone and tennis racket. Tennis racket comes with the bloody variant, folks. And of course, all of my action figures have the jack off grip, so you can interchange it with the microphone and the tennis racket if you have some of the other figures, whatever the case. And this is a limited edition that will not be replicated in the future. 1,200 of these will be available at jimcornett.com. I don't know how long 1,500 of the commentator playset and 1,200 of the bloody variant will last, but Brian, we just went through 400 of the Christmas variant that's been on sale three times before in the last three weeks. So, folks... Again, Saturday, April 2nd, noon Eastern. Now, it's a big weekend. It's just got bigger. Everybody else has to go out and do a show. What I have to do is bring quality product to the people. And that's what we're doing, jimcornett.com. And just wait until Paul Lee not with WWE. You can get the orange Paul Lee action figure to
1: play with the Jim Cornette bloody figure.
0: Well, you know, here's the thing. I'm just wondering, well, I've answered my own question. I was thought we could have the Jim Cornette and Paul E. Dangerously set and then the Jim, modern Jim Cornette and modern Paul Heyman set as we were and as we are. But fuck, the overhead on that would be incredible because it would take at least two and a half times the plastic to replicate Paul Heyman of today than the Paul E. Dangerously of 1988, would it not? But again, maybe there are some
1: molds, maybe there's some unsold Alfred Hitchcock figures, a little <laughs> bit of paint. You got a Paul Heyman figure
0: a little take Alfred Hitchcock, maybe a little padding in the waistline, take off a little of his hair. You've got Paul Heyman is what you're saying. I've waited all my life to make fun of people for being fatter than me. And now the worm has turned folks. Speaking of worms turning, I've got a couple of emails here from the listeners and there's some worms turning across the pond. There's a lot of resistance. Uh, this is from. Oh, God damn it. Well, it's Daniel, but he has a Ukrainian spelling to his name also because he is indeed from Ukraine. Uh, hello, Jim. Hello, Brian. Hope you're doing well. I just wanted to thank you for your program. This three weeks was hell for us here in Ukraine, but we are pulling through. Your program and clips are my comfort listen while sitting in bomb shelter and travel to safe part of country. Obviously, English is his second language. We get the meaning. Thank you for bringing smile and some comfort during these trying times, and thank you for your continued support of our country. Fuck Putin. Fuck Russia. Glory to Ukraine. Russian warship. Idi Last part translates as fuck off and that's daniel from kiev so we got fans listening to us in bomb shelters what the fuck guys we love you over there and i i can't imagine i don't know what i'd be listening to if i was in a bomb shelter it probably wouldn't be me and i'm betting it wouldn't be you brian I can't imagine being in that position, but you guys rock over there for having to put up with this and still telling these people to go fuck themselves and fuck Putin, <clears throat> et cetera. But anyway, nevertheless, we are the leaders now, Brian, of the resistance in, in Ukraine.
1: I don't know if we are. I would say President Zelensky is the leader of, and it's not even the resistance. They're- what are they resisting? The Russian invaders who were trying to take over their land.
0: Fuck well, yeah, those people. Well, no, it was, the, it was the French resistance in World War II when they were resisting the Nazis. So now it's, it's the resist. It's the same. They're resisting. They're not going along with this shit. They're not going to put up with it. They're going to shut this shit down.
1: They're exposing the Russian military as being completely <laughs> ineffective, and they're also showing you the difference between a general and a spy
0: when it comes to directing a war. <laughs> This is a disaster well, and and uh, you know here's the thing if if everybody wasn't so sensitive these days the I mean Hogan's heroes made bumbling idiots out of the Nazis twenty years after the fact. Do you think in twenty years we'll have a sitcom where John Banner and Werner Kemplerer are the leaders of the Russian troops instead of the Germans? It would fit right it's they're a bunch of bumblefucks, and there's Zelensky and, and hey. He was on reality TV, too. We got a reality show president, turned out to be a goddamn disaster. They got a reality show president, turned out to be a hero. Was he on reality TV? I know he was an actor. He was on a television well,
1: show. He, he was on some kind of TV. Well, he was on. He was a, one of the biggest TV stars
0: there, but I don't know if it was reality TV. Well, our, Well, then it was television. It was television. Well, there you go. So we get Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump, and they get the winner holy Mac, bedtime for bonzo yeah, anyway. I, didn't, I didn't expect you to drag ronald reagan into this that came out of nowhere well i mean the republic the republicans are big on the celebrity presidents and the celebrity governors and the schwarzenegger they're on and the celebrity they're the ones that always elect the celebrities but they don't like them i'll tell you another
1: thing Zelensky's is a hero to jews around the world what an amazing guy what an amazing leader this guy turned out to be and, Putin's saying he's trying to denazify Ukraine. The leader's
0: Jewish. (laughs) Like, it's insane. No, he was Jewish. I thought he was just Ukrainian. No, he's a Jewish hero. He's amazing. Yeah. Well, there you go. We have another email from another hero, another member of the, the, the first responders, the frontline defenses. This actually, it's, it's, It's uh, on behalf of one of our frontline workers, a surgeon, a doctor, a medical professional, but this comes from her fiancé, who just happens to be I Am the Pelican, who has also contributed to the program. Actually, not not the fiancé or even financier, apparently. I was dating a surgeon for a time, so I should have read this a little more deeply, but nevertheless, Hello Jim! I guess, and you too, Brian, I guess, you know, or you can just fuck off. All the anal anecdotes over the last couple of weeks have been extremely entertaining. See, people have told me for years that all my anal anecdotes were extremely entertaining. I never believed them. But he says, I've got a decent one myself that I'd like to share. I was dating a surgeon for a time who specialized in colon and rectal surgery. She'd mostly perform surgeries on people with colon or lower intestinal issues. However, a substantial amount of her work involved removing foreign objects from the arseholes of very embarrassed patients who were pretty much all men. Her personal favorite story was a man who came in with a Buzz Lightyear action figure lodged <laughs> deep in infinity and beyond. <laughs> The first question I'm sure that springs to your head as it did mine might be is this buzz with or without wings stretched out. Thankfully for Buzz he was inserted feet first. I don't even know how that might Um my kid has I, one of those figures or my kids have those figures and they're pretty sizable big figures. I don't even understand how this could happen. I believe you have to work your way up to getting him in the other way around he continues. Anyway, the space ranger was successfully freed from the adventurous fellow who shortly afterwards politely asked the surgeon if he could have the toy back as it was his son's favorite. Thank you. Once again, that's from I am the pelican in London of the the England part, not London, Kentucky. Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. Well apparently you know we like when we when we make a mistake here on the program we do rectify these these egregious uh, examples of incorrectness and we've got to make a correction here on the program it, actually it was something we talked about I think on your show Brian see the fact checking is much more rigorous over here on this side of the fence it's it, <laughs> the the veracity of this program and and the the research and the people that we have Taking time out of their busy schedule to send in tidbits. It's all it's a lot more factual over here. I think this was on your program, but we'll correct it here. The Bret Hart Mad at Me clip was fake. And we were alerted to this because as, as you might recall, Brian, since you're the ones that read, or you're the one that read the uh the letter that was sent in. One of our listeners is apparently not the brightest bulb in the socket and listened to something that was put on the internet that was not even not even a deep fake. This was about the most shallow fake possible. And it doesn't even sound right, but also, as many people pointed out to us after we read the excerpts from the letter, The guy had taken, what was it, Bret Hart's 2015 Q&A or statement or interview somewhere where he was talking about being mad at Triple H and put my name in over the top of Triple H's. And we come to find, we didn't hear the clip or we could have instantly known that uh, because it sounded so shitty We haven't memorized every Q&A that Bret Hart has ever done, but it was a shitty audio edit job. But whoever listened to it, this one guy bought it and then wrote us and it was, well, first we've heard of this, but wow, we sure feel bad he's upset. And come to find out he's pissed at Triple H, but it was seven years ago before Triple H had his issues that we'll talk about later in the program. And the little weasel at the root of the... Whole shenanigans was trying to get back at you and me, Brian, by putting this tape out. Apparently, because we've had him shut down off of YouTube for pirating our actual programs and then re editing them in equally shoddy fashion to make it sound like that I'm knocking people that I actually like and that we say good things about. So, some troublemaking little weasel fooled one guy on the internet and so now so we uh we have tracked that down and have figured out where that came from apparently brett ain't mad at me so that's a good thing maybe he's mad at me now that he heard the clip where where i was saying i would hate that he was mad at me and he's well i ought to be mad at him i don't know but he wasn't mad at me there and whoever runs brett's Social interaction, media, whatever the fuck needs to go ahead and get shit show shut down because it's not our show. We've got our show shut down from shit show.
1: How about the fact that the one time you actually show some remorse and apologize,
0: that's <laughs> a beat, the, wrong the guy's thing. not even mad. It's a complete thing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I really hate to hear that. I'm sorry, you know, I felt bad. What? See again? anytime. That I in any way say anything good about anybody, they disappoint me. And anytime I apologize for anything, come to find out I shouldn't. And we're doing a we're batting a pretty good batting average on identifying the unsavoriness of people that ask me to modify my behavior, also. A lot of those people end up sooner or later, that worm turns also. There's been a lot of worms over the past. 18 to 24 months that have turned. Anyway, we wanted to bring that up to uh, to people's attention. So now, if you if you were if you were upset about the whole thing, figured me and Bret Hart's wonderful relationship was ruined. Now that's that's no longer the case. It was it was all a fake fake news. And you know the worst thing about it, Brian. The worst thing about it is that if this guy. That was trying to pull this. If he wasn't, a, you know, didn't have an IQ of a Rutabaga and had any rudimentary talent or any type of intelligence whatsoever, he could join the folks at Code Academy and learn how to do this right. Well, right? Well, I would hate to put these skills into the wrong hands, although anybody has access
1: to the skills, uh, anybody could learn how to code. It's about what you do with it. You wanna, that's right. You want to be a
0: force for good, not for evil. That's right. And that's why Code Academy is putting these skills in everybody's hands. Willy-nilly. They don't cull. They don't take anybody out. They will they'll smarten up anybody. And then you can take these skills and you should do good with them. But some people do bad with them. Some people will do the deep fakes and the artificial intelligence and the holograms. And all of a sudden they'll take over the world. And then we'll find that. We've all been enslaved by a a group of lizard people that live in the interior of the earth, and the king lizard is the actual guy behind Codecademy. What? But until then, there's never been a better time to become a programmer, and you really ought to look at changing occupations because, well, once the lizard people are in charge, most of these lines of work that are working out right now are going to go to hell in a handbasket. So, folks, get in with the lizard king. Codecademy can help you reach your coding gills. What, coding gills? Coding gills? You really are talking about reptiles, aren't you? <laughs> Lizard people, yes. They've got the coding gills that, uh, that were placed there when they reached <laughs> their coding goals, you see. You know, people like your boss may not recognize your full potential. The people you're working for may not realize that you're a valuable human being, but Codecademy does, so what you need to do is you need to go to your boss right now and you need to jerk the cord out of the slurpy machine and kick that deep fryer and tell that no good sack of snake feces to piss off, you're going to Code Academy. And you're gonna learn technical skills to advance your career or start a totally new one. And possibly if you're just getting out of prison, folks, you've been in prison for ten or fifteen years, a lot of this stuff is new to you. You'll really wanna get in with Code Academy, because there's nothing better for the future of American society like a a well-educated felon folks if you want to learn a new skill to build websites troubleshoot tech issues transition into your new career over 50 million people already know that code academy is the best way to learn to code and some of them now are digging their bunkers and preparing you can too code academy not only teaches you job-ready coding skills but also helps you build unique projects for your portfolio if I were you, I would start studying weaknesses in lizards. You can earn certificates and even prep for technical interviews about lizard people. Talk about your Will own... Will you stop with all the lizards? There were no lizard people
1: and there was no lizard king. At least not since Jim Morrison passed away.
0: Well, they haven't told us this yet, but you never know what might come out in the future. Folks, if you're choosing what to learn, well, pick coding languages like Python. See, there's a little hint there sis. <laughs> that's the noise they make right before they strike <laughs> and more code academy is going to point you in the right direction with both middle fingers on each hand and if you take code academy's programming personality quiz and tell them all about yourself you can get tailored career advice and you could also be put on file with the federal government for future job opportunities now that they know more about your likes and dislikes. Well, that's not right. how it works. You're not going to be on put it. on any government list. Don't even joke about where that because people don't. will be
1: afraid when you say something like that. There's no government oh. list that you'll be put of. on for being a part of, of
0: Codecadden. <laughs> it's not officially <laughs> under it's, – it's not governmental. It's just they want to keep track of where the, the, <laughs> the, the unofficial they government they might need in the future and you'll get instant feedback like you just gave me and said shut up <coughs> anyway folks join the over 50 million people learning to code with codecademy see where coding can take you let it take you away get 15 percent off your codecademy pro membership when you go to codecademy.com and use the promo code experience that's promo code experience at codecademy C-O-D-E c a d e m y dot com promo code experience fifteen per cent off and all the little mice you can eat all right well we we have fun sometimes here on the program, but there was an interview this past week that uh answered a lot of questions that everybody had been asking since the cardiac event with triple h, which was exactly what happened and how bad was it we everybody had that was anywhere close to the situation had thought that it was something serious because of just the nature of its suddenness and that we didn't hear from him for quite a while. So he did, uh, this was, on. was this on real ESPN or one of the ESPN offshoots? Now this was the real deal, right? He only goes on the main program with Stephen a Smith. I not, believe, uh, yeah, I believe this is on the real ESPN. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith is a real piece of work, too. Holy mackerel. Hey, they only sit down for
1: interviews with guys they know are going to give them a soft interview.
0: I thought he was going to hump his leg at one point. I w- you know, WWE's not going to put any of their top
1: people with anyone who will ask anything considered even remotely a pressing question. Well, but or it, any good follow-ups. It's a, they, they want to give everyone a soft pillow of an interview, and that's what this was. I mean, no disrespect no, to what triple h was saying here but that's why well, but was that's why it got to this channel and why it got to Stephen a smith was they knew it would be a softball
0: why did it need to be a softball the guy wasn't out there denying involvement in the kennedy assassination He said, hey i had a you know hard instant and i've come back and here's where we're going from here i don't think anybody would have really drilled down on him like well what about the stock prices but anyway nevertheless um the first part of this, you know, it was it it got hard when he started breaking up about thinking about his uh his kids and his family when he's getting put under and it was close. He said the one yard line with he had a 99% blocked widowmaker artery, whichever one it is that they call the widowmaker, and his heart had found a different pathway to pump the blood which does not sound good. I had not heard of that before. I'm not saying it's not a real thing or anything, but
1: boy, I had not heard of that before that your heart just creates a new artery. Well, yeah, (laughs) it sounded
0: like me and the Monroe brothers out down at the Creek going, where's the water going? Oh, it's under the Oak tree there. It made its own little space. (laughs) Uh, What, um, but anyway, he got emotional and rightfully so on, you know, how close it was. So apparently that was a, a, and it was one of those things. It was, found because of the pneumonia that he got which i get you know he had this even before he had pneumonia obviously pneumonia doesn't just block your arteries in two weeks or whatever and he mentioned it was genetic a lot of his father grandfather great-grandfather had had various heart diseases and attacks and, and i could identify with all of that same story which is why I'm not running a goddamn developmental program right now. But anyway, you know, that, that was close that at least they found it. You know, they did the same thing with Matt Capitelli, uh, the tough enough, one of the tough enough winners, along with John Hennigan, Morrison, Nitro, whichever name you know him by. He got a concussion in wrestling class and they, gave him a CAT scan and checked it out, and found his brain tumor from his brain cancer that ended up killing him. So you can have shit going on, which is why I'm always shaking like a dog, shitting peach seeds every time I go to have any kind of test of anything, because you can always have something going on that you don't know about, and there's no reason to, no symptom, you know, no reason to check something until accidentally you stumble across it. But yeah, so he announced he's done as a wrestler. He's got a defibrillator. So he joked about it. It was great of him, too. It wouldn't be good to get shocked on live TV. But do people know how those work? Are we just saying this and expecting everybody to know what it is? Explain it. Jerry Jarrett has one of these because he had heart issues. And it's not a pacemaker per se. A pacemaker, I th- I'm, and I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on television. I'm a small-town bird lawyer. But a pacemaker kind of keeps your heart in rhythm or whatever the case. But one of these defibrillators, actually, if it detects you having an arrhythmia, an episode like your heart's beating too fast or not beating fast enough or it needs to be shocked back into whatever the fuck it's supposed to be doing, the thing will shock you because that I was talking to Jeff Jarrett one time and he and his dad went to, well, no, I don't know whether he and his dad were speaking at that time. I don't know whether he was there. He heard about the story. They've, they've since they talk, but, um, the point is Jerry Jarrett's sitting there in a movie theater, watching TV or watching a TV, <laughs> watching a movie. <clears throat> and without knowing it, your heart starts doing something irregular and the thing shocked him and he threw his popcorn up in the air. It's like getting an electric shock without, you know, when it when you need it, it gives it to you, whether you're prepared for it or not. And his fucking popcorn goes up near. Wow, Jesus Christ. And then it hit him again, and they had to take him out of there and take him to the hospital to see what was going on. And they said, Oh no, this is what it's supposed to do. And it did what it, it worked. It was right. So if he's got one of those and he was in any kind of, I would think, you know, stressful athletic situation or maybe took a hard bump or I don't know what causes your heart to do bad things when your heart is not good. Uh, It would shock him right there in the middle of the goddamn deal. So, so yeah, that, you know, it, and it honestly, this guy, it's a shame he did not get to. Do the last big match, he mentioned that they were talking about this WrestleMania. He and Vince were before this all took place, and then that got scratched. But, (laughs) you know, what What are you scoffing?
1: Again, I'm joking, and I feel bad about the whole situation. I genuinely do. But in the world of the joking Brian Last, well, he really showed Sean how to get out of doing a job, didn't he? (laughs) He didn't lose his hair in a match, and now he didn't have a career-ending match. He is the master of all time.
0: Ah, oh, come on now. No, but again, can I'm, you joking, imagine, I'm joking. Can you imagine the trouble they and the pageantry and the pomp that they would have gone to for his retirement match? That would have been interesting. But you know, all in all, the the thing I took away from this is I think he's realized, you know, shit. Maybe I need to reevaluate and and calm down and think about family more or whatever. He was still doing rah-rah at the end of the show, and he's excited about new talent and all those things. But, you know, he I think he's earned it to take it easy. And we've been... Everybody's speculation, oh, what'll Triple H think about what they've done to NXT? They've taken all of his work apart. Maybe, hopefully... Two or three years ago, he would have been taking the sledgehammer to the walls at Titan Tower, but maybe now he's like, you know what? I'm not dead, so I don't give a fuck. I'll never need money. I'm still in the family. I got the stock. I got kids. Fuck it. One would hope. But that, you know, he did, he does deserve some, I guess it'll be the Hall of Fame. He does deserve some kind of. Send off, and we've joked in the past. I've said this actually wasn't a joke, though. I've said Triple H was the guy that worked with the guy that drew the money in most instances in that hot period, and I still stand by that. That doesn't mean that Triple H was a dog shit, right? There's a a set, select few people that really get to where they are the most over guys in their business at any period in the business. And a lot of it doesn't come from the push. It comes from the, the natural hysteria that starts building up about that talent. Now, Triple H, he looked great. He was a student of the game to the point where it became his nickname. He studied the wrestling business. He admired guys like Flair, and the he studied the, the previous generation. Um so he he had the look, he could do, cut the promo, he had the physique, he had the working ability, he had the psychology. But the one thing that really never happened and it doesn't happen with most people, I differentiate his top main event level career, which it certainly was and I'm not taking anything away from it, but the guys like Austin and Rock And Foley and Taker, they and and Taker a little bit slower at the beginning because he got a slow start because it was a little gimmicky at the start, but he made it his own and he got there pretty quickly. Rock and Austin. Foley was a natural for the WWF crowd to at that of that era to really get into because they'd seen him so much before and you couldn't hide that guy you couldn't repurpose him and still not hide there and still hide Mick Foley. There was a hysteria about those guys that the fans started first and then they went along with the push. Triple H in DX or in, in the click, he was the one with no bad habits. But he was the junior member. Michaels was already on top. Nash, as Diesel, was already on top. Hall, as Razor, was already on top. But out of the click, he was the one that got punished, but he was also the one that had no bad extracurricular outside-the-ring habits and was probably... Everybody's talked about Razor Ramones, Scott Hall's knowledge of the wrestling business and Nash's knowledge of politics, but when you think about it, Helmsley, Levesque, which whatever we're going to call him now, was probably the best businessman of the of the group. Wouldn't you? The best businessman that could coexist and get along and rise and shine in a corporate environment. He, whether he was a member of the family or not, can you see Nash or Hall or Michaels or anybody else doing that job in that suit all the time and never fucking up? Can you, Brian? No, I think he was very
1: special for that, and I think he's someone who, whatever you want to say about him and during those years, he took advantage of every situation he was in to soak up information like a sponge, whether it was Hall, Nash, and Michaels, and Waltman in the car, or whether it was being around Vince. And
0: having no bad habits really benefited him, too. Well, and and in DX, because now we go now we go Michaels, Triple H, Road Dog, Billy Gunn, various. And I'm not knocking any of those guys. I like all of them, but it's not like a secret. At various points, they all had their bad habits, but he never did. And so, like you said, he he came into the company in '95, and systematically worked with all the top guys and top heels and got in the right groups and had access to events and grew that and made the most out of it. And we're not, we're not even talking about marrying into the family right now. I'm just talking about his professional behavior. There's never been a fuck up. He never refused to to do a job that we know about. (laughs) Well, he he may have, I, I mean, Refusal he, he never, and booking yourself to just crush well, everyone are two different things, I guess. But he never lost his smile. He never there was no there was none of all that falderall, right? He he always was able to do it the proper way. So even though he wasn't the hysteria wasn't around him, even when he was on top and a main event guy from the fans is oh my god, it's like the glass breaks, it's Austin, or oh my God, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Or, my we love Foley or The Undertaker's an icon, but he was the guy that could work with all those guys, and that's valuable. And then, but and then part of ahead. the problem was it became why are these Triple H
1: segments going for 20 minutes? Like, it would start raw, it would be him in the ring with like flare, and it would be a 20 minute speech where he puts down everyone on the roster, <laughs> and then usually ends up beating like the tag team champions two on one or something. It was a lot of that to yeah. the point where people got sick of him, especially when they knew what the situation was behind the scenes. And I agree with you. He was never the guy. I always thought it was revisionist history to pretend like he was at the level with Austin, the rock Foley, no. undertaker No, during the attitude era. Cause he simply wasn't right after it. He certain got, certainly got pushed that way. And I think part of the story of the early days of his WWE career was to me before DX, when he was just Hunter Hearst Helmsley, he was shoved down our throat. It felt like he was being pushed way too hard for what people were ready for even before all of this.
0: But oh, yeah. th- well, he, he was going to win that, that 96 King of the ring. And it probably ended up, even though it cost him, he's made the money back, it probably cost him a hundred grand, not to, to win it and be pushed on a higher position in the card for the next 12 months. But he's, he's made that back, but he, that would have been kind of like the early version of, Rocky Maivia, you know, went in the Survivor Series or whatever. It was too quick. But they, they, they liked him and they saw him as a star, but it was, it was too quick. The people didn't jump on that train at the start. But I think eventually because he was there so long
1: and because everyone knew how he was used, his matches did end up meaning a lot more. Those later WrestleMania matches, him and Sting, which ended up just being a complete Hey, how do we destroy WCW one more time on a national stage? But him and The Undertaker, it wasn't all Undertaker. It was the fact that The Undertaker was going to work with Triple H. What will this match be? Yeah. So I think eventually he grew into being that guy. It's just they pushed him as being that guy way before he was that guy, I thought. But I had a question for you. Yes. Chris Candido years ago said that when him. And Tammy and Paul Levesque all started or all showed up the first time, I think, WrestleMania, that they remember him saying, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to run this place. I think was something yeah. like the quote. <laughs> if there was no click, like if there's a universe where a wrestler comes in and however things work, things work, not to say you wouldn't have friends and it wouldn't be the same people, but there wasn't a click doing what the click did. Right. How far do you think he would have
0: gotten on his own? That's interesting. There's so many what ifs when you take people out. I mean, we've seen that science fiction movie. When you take the existence of certain people in certain moments out of an equation, shit goes in a drastically different direction. I think they were the platform that enabled him to get up there, get comfortable enough, get halfway bulletproof. Uh, Even though he was punished for King of the Ring, it was the punishment with, well, we have to punish one of them. Two of them are gone, and the other one's our champion. And it was always known that that was going to blow over if he kept his head down, whatever the case. Um, I mean, you know, he still would have been the same guy and been doing the same things. I I think that that the initial clickness gave him a little bit extra shield. but I don't know. I, you know, I wonder more if, um, if somehow or another, he and China hadn't been star-crossed lovers, that probably would have affected things a little bit more. If they hadn't broke up, if they'd have been a happy couple to sit down at a picket fence somewhere in New Hampshire, uh, Triple H's career may have ended up differently. But I think he probably would have prospered somewhere somehow through no click. It may have taken longer. Well it was very
1: sad to you know hear what he was saying about what he was thinking about right before everything was right before the procedure when he's thinking about his daughters. That was very sad, and I have to say, I sincerely hope he just kinda takes a step back, get a home office, relax, get
0: some fun hobbies. Because it's just not worth it. <laughs> do, do not do not give Vince your phone number. That's right. Oh, that I mean that's another thing. Bruce Pritchard got mad at me one time. What in the world are you doing? I said, what? Because Vince decided to call everybody at 7.30 in the morning one day. And I'd been in the wrestling business for more than 10 years. My phone didn't ring in the bedroom. I'm not an idiot. And everybody else, of course, had been there longer and knew to keep their phone by the bed. And Bruce was like, well, Vince called everybody. You weren't, you weren't there? I said, it was 7.30 in the fucking morning. I wasn't supposed to be anywhere. Nobody told me I was going to be getting a phone call. I'm not a goddamn fireman. Well, corner, you're going to have to have a phone that. So what I did was I got a 40 foot (laughs) phone cord and I plugged it into the wall in the living room and I fucking ran it up the stairs and through the door. And I set it inside the bedroom door just in case I thought it would ever be a day where I might get called. So I had to phone in the bedroom, but was there ever an important seven 30 AM phone call from Vince? Never again. <laughs> but now understand since they got the first, they got the blackberries and then they got the smartphones and now you can be texted or called at any hour of the day or night. So, uh, you know, again, good luck to all the people at work. There is what I have to say, but they all need a good night's sleep just like we all do, but we get ours and they don't get theirs. You know how the the two best ways to get a good night's sleep are, Brian? The two best ways? I don't know. I'm afraid of what you're going to say. Number one, do not work for Vince McMahon. And number two, go to helixsleep.com and take their quiz. There it is. That's right. Because if you go to helixsleep.com, that's H-E-L-I-X, by the way. Helix, like Felix the cat with an H. Get the F out of Felix. Anyway, if you go to (laughs) helixsleep.com... What's the matter with you? Get the F out of Felix. Hey, get the F out of Felix. If you go to helixsleep.com and you take their quiz, they will match you up with the perfect mattress for you. All they ask you about, they don't ask any personal questions. They don't ask you what your favorite sexual position is that you're going to be performing on this mattress. They don't want to embarrass you. They don't ask for your, as a matter of fact, if you go to helixsleep.com, you will notice that they do not ask you for your social security number. That's a security thing right there. But they will ask you what side you like to sleep on, or your side or your back or your stomach, face first, upside down. You like to stand on your head. Whatever you like to do in bed, you or your wife or your husband or your intended other or your betrothed or your dearly beloved, whatever all of you people, you know, it's good, it's it's always good <laughs> these days, in this day and age, Brian, the first thing that you have to do, because there's a lot of shady things going on, you hear about all these things happening in the news, every time you get ready to have sex, ask everybody in the room to show you their ID, make sure they're of age. But, whatever you people like to do on these mattresses, they've got a quiz, you take it, and you tell them, And they match you up with the perfect mattress. They got soft, they got medium, they got firm, they got cool down. They got spinal alignment mattresses. They've even got plus size mattresses for plus size people. I can't imagine how big the goddamn mattress would have to. Well, nevertheless. Hey, can I get one of those even if I'm not plus size? Is it just a bigger mattress? It sounds awesome. Well, well, you got to go to helixsleep.com and find out. It's a little tantalizer, a little taint (laughs) teaser here okay find out the answer to this mystery how big would that mattress be if you're going to put the mcguire twins on it they're not only plus size they're oversized but anyway you take that quiz you get matched up with the mattress they're dead and that i'm sorry i said they're dead not because of the helix mattress (laughs) i didn't say that no no of course not it it, it had nothing to do with it. They'd they'd been sleeping on the Helix for, for months before they died. If it had the Helix that had anything to do with it, it would have been just like that. Anyway, get a Helix and they'll deliver it to you, to your home, right to your door. They'll deliver it to your window if you want, if that's closest, whatever. They will deliver it to your property. And it will be shipped for free so you don't ever need to go to a mattress store again and lay on some old demonstrator who knows what kind of practices have been have been executed on that demonstrator in the mattress store you know you might get fleas bed bugs are a big problem not with a helix mattress because it's going right in, unless you have bed bed bugs already in your home you will not have bed bugs in the helix mattress now if you want to get your house sprayed before you get the helix mattress come in that's up to you i would advise it for some people in some parts of the country nevertheless Go to helixsleep.com. Did we get that far? I'm slash not sure. J-C-E. We've gotten yes. too far, I think. Gone too far. Helixsleep.com slash JCE. They got a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. And I clarified this. I a 100 nights, well, if you and your intended beloved are on it, then that's two people. It's not just 50 nights for each. You get 100 nights no matter how many people are sleeping on this thing. So load it up. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for you, slap you about the head and face, and haul it off. They've got financing options and flexible payment plans so you can start out your flexibility on the payment plan and then get really limber on that mattress. And they're offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash jce helixsleep.com slash jce over 12,000 five-star reviews and we've mentioned the one billion hours slept on helix mattresses of course that guy was restrained he couldn't get up even if he wanted to but nevertheless he was tranquilized on a regular basis but it was was, it
1: was not not one person it was multiple people there was no tranquilizers there were no tranquilizers
0: involved the first guy died in the middle of the no one died stop don't joke about people dying
1: we're doing a spot what's wrong well well, how
0: when did you get all this goddamn indignance for heaven's sake, like, you just don't go off the beam and say things right out of your sphincter.
1: I don't go off the beam. I go on the beam because they're a fine sponsor. But we're not talking about beam. We're talking about Helix Sleep here.
0: And what uh-huh. a fine, fine, comfortable, fine, people. safe mattress it is safe. for everyone to check yes. out. Yes, it's safe. You'll. It's, it's like you fall into a cloud. HelixSleep.com. All right. Well, where do we uh, wake up to from here? Well, I'm trying to like something. I'm not having much success. I'm trying to like young rock. I've watched the first two shows. I tried to make notes on them. Anything really interesting. And I didn't come up with a lot. It basically. It's a 30 minute situation comedy about the childhood of a professional wrestler that draws more viewers than any current professional wrestling show. And I, and the rock is great. In whatever he does, his delivery, his demeanor—you, as we know from wrestling, bad material, good material—it doesn't matter. He, he's got the magnetism. Randall Park sucks, and everybody else on the show ranges from eh to eh, except for uh, Ata, the mother. She, she's very likable, but that should be the show—just Ata. <laughs> exclamation point. And just make it about her. Utterly atta. Ooh, that's good. There you see. I'm I'll be on tele in the television world doing the meetings, the creative meetings, the pitches. Uh, but uh, otherwise, I mean, the Rocky Johnson guy, he's not the worker that the real Rocky Johnson was. Um, but it's just like I guess because it's a comedy, everybody's winking at me. But at the same time, (laughs) they they try to do heartwarming stuff right out of the craziness of yeah. And and in no way would Randall Park ever be a a you know a, a person interviewing a presidential candidate and saying and doing the things he's doing. I know it's a comedy show, but then again, you know we've said we have the problem with the everything is Ted. Ta- they have wrestling personalities that were part of young rocks life, but they're all over the place and take it. Now I hear that they've decided to make Andre the giant a regular. Oh really? I didn't know that the I character heard of Andre the giant. So apparently he just decided to move to Hawaii in 1984. And I don't, I don't know. He's got a, he's got a wonderful story uh the rock does i it either needs to be it's not seinfeld and it's not fucking hill street blues does it need to be a real good comedy or a real good drama it's not really hitting on either cylinder when it's in between i don't know what it needs but it needs something have you seen any of these i have not seen
1: any of the new season i saw the putrid first season which, let's remind everyone, if you're someone who is just discovering wrestling history, completely inaccurate <laughs> in every single way about almost every single thing that's happened in wrestling
0: history. But I also didn't find it too entertaining. Well, but I wish you hadn't said the putrid first season, because I was about to say that I don't think these shows are anywhere near as good as the first season. <laughs> so, but I'm at downtown, the guy that is playing downtown Bruno... Looks like Lex Luger compared to what downtown... Downtown Bruno was lighter, if anything, in the Memphis days because he didn't have n- enough money for food than he was as Harvey Whippleman in the WWF, and I've never seen Bruno where I would describe him as fleshy. This guy actually has arms and a chest. He talks like him, but he doesn't look like him. They could have just hired Bruno for 50 bucks. And, and then, are you? Bruno wouldn't have held up the whole the company for $50 after Rock gave him a truck. Did you see that last year? Rock gave Bruno a truck. Yeah,
1: that's the Rock's move. That's, let's talk about this momentarily because this is a funny thing. Because, like, Oprah gave away a bunch of cars to a bunch of people in a studio audience. It was a wonderful thing for publicity. Right. The Rock's thing seems to be every few months, once you forget about the previous one, all of a sudden, his mom haku (laughs) like various people like look the rock just gave me a truck and i'm happy to be filming this to let everyone know what a great guy
0: the rock is so you're saying it's not the giving of the truck it's the filming of the giving of the truck and disseminating same into the public eye that you're turning your nose up at. did
1: you ever see the episode of curb your enthusiasm where larry david's offended because i go to an art gallery and one of the wings is by anonymous anonymous dedicated the money but everyone's like you know, anonymous is Ted Danson. And he's like, well, that defeats the purpose. He let everyone know who it was. <laughs> he purposely wanted people to know he was anonymous. And I think with The Rock, it's kind of like, I want people to see that I give trucks out to people who will film it and put it out there, <laughs> that I give them a truck. Well, but still, It's happened it like be- three or four times now.
0: It would only be bad if then they turned the cameras off and he took the truck back, though. That would That would be really bad. But... Bob Owens. Do you remember Bob Owens? I don't. Why do, why do I know that name? Because he, at one point, very briefly, he wrestled. And uh, we're not talking about Bob Evans now. We're talking Bob Owens was a different cat entirely. And he was in Memphis in 1987 when The Rock moved there also. And they, so now you're a wrestling savant. I knew Bob Owens because I worked the territory with him briefly, Right that's the only way i knew bob owens but now there are pro wrestlers out there that everybody's heard of that aren't on tv but a guy that even a wrestling savant like you didn't remember is now being portrayed on nbc television so it's a crazy year
1: you want to show me you have guts rock you're covering memphis put ken raper on the show
0: i dare you (laughs) Actually, since that was his legal Christian-given name, then I would think you'd be able to do that. And and what are they going to say?
1: I have a feeling that show may want to stay away from the topic of rape.
0: If I had to, uh, I had to make
1: a guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, let's move forward now. To uh, There were some uh, wrestling programs on the air this week. Oh, no. And, and since they... Since they made the air, I decided to quit breathing it. But I want to drop in for just real quick on NXT. Uh, because there were a couple of things of interest, including I mentioned at the top of the program, I've seen the future of wrestling. It's it's Bronsteiner. That's I'm just going to call him Braun Steiner from now. That's his name, Braun Steiner. I, I I will start out by saying that the opening match on NXT on March 22nd was Roderick Strong against Solo Sikoa, Samoan fellow. And I stopped and watched that because I'm just I'm a big fan of Roddy's because he takes everything seriously, works hard, he he doesn't mind working a little snug and he gets the best out of everybody. And I said, "Well, let's see what the uh, Solo can do." And both those guys really aggressive. Fast-paced, but in control. Nice action. Sokoa looked good. He's serious. He's athletic. He must have more experience than under another name. I don't know who he was before he got in that program, but it's not like they've just trained him in the last year. He knows what he's doing. Roderick Strong is now the last, apparently the last serious member of the Undisputed Era. I just wish he didn't have that crew cut, because it just be. But they they did a great match. Sakoa's comeback maybe needed a little bit of work, but he did a nice Samoan drop and one with a splash off the top rope. These two guys honestly, they used to fit in NXT. Now that they've botched up NXT, these guys would both fit right in in the You know, there's two rosters in AEW. There's the serious roster, and then there's the the best friends roster, where everybody gets their job because they're best friends with somebody who can give them a job. Both these guys would go on the serious side of AEW, and they would prosper better than they are in this environment. Um, but then, and I know you didn't see this program because your DVR, your DVR said, fuck you. No, my DVR had compassion. Re- my DVR had compassion for me. I didn't record it. Is it, what are you asking me to do here? Record NXT? Or are you out of your mind? So I've, I'll fill you in. Anyway, um, the match that I wanted to see was Braun Steiner against Robert Roode. And they're, of course, they're promoting Steiner and Ziggler at Stand and Deliver this coming Saturday, WrestleMania weekend, which we got to see that match. Even I don't know what else is on Stand and Deliver, and I don't think I would care to stand for it, and I don't believe they're going to deliver but we're going to see that match at least. I again, I'm looking at at Bronsteiner here thinking the only competition if you can use that word that that the WWE has is AEW and the guy that's challenging for the NXT the third brand title this weekend, Bronsteiner looks like a and would be a better World wrestling champion right now than AEW's champion Adam Page. Hey, did you s- <laughs> go ahead? Did you see the thing on Twitter the
1: other day? Someone asked me a question and I decided I'll answer it. Who felt like more of a world champion, Kenny Omega or Adam Page? Twinkle Toes. And I wrote Omega.
0: You got to be yeah. honest, he felt he was treated like a world champion. He felt like one, well, Adam Page. Acted like one. He had his fake Nick Bockwinkle out there, in the invisible hand job, Don Callis. The invisible. He hand he, job. <laughs> he carried What? Well, but he carried himself. Uh, the one thing you can't say about old Twinkle Toes is that he doesn't think his shit is good. He thinks he's hot shit, and he carries himself like that. And he had the he had the look and the suit and the the manager and they made over him like a champion much more his matches. I didn't like, but the aura was much more champion like than page. And, and I, I look at Steiner and I, I was managing guys against Kurt angle in Memphis at the same stage of Kurt angle's career as Steiner here. Same time, about six months maybe not even quite maybe a little bit more depending on the time frame Steiner blows Kurt Angle away at this same point in time and not not with athleticism they were both freak athletes but I'm talking about with the ability not only to do moves but also the facial expression the timing the stuff you're doing, the physical charisma that makes somebody want to look at you Steiner's head of Angle at this stage of the game, the only person that I have seen and younger, this and, and younger. And the only person I've seen that was this natural as Steiner to begin with, maybe ever was the rock. So anyway, that's, I'm just, uh, this was a great wrestling match rude. Even when he's getting the heat on fucking Bronsteiner, Steiner, he did Scott Steiner's, Bicep pose up, 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 dropped the elbow, did the push-ups. The announcers couldn't be specific. Well, look what Rude's doing. When you think of Braun Breaker or whatever you think of, I I don't know what they were saying. They could they even called a Frankensteiner a Frankensteiner and couldn't mention Bronsteiner's family. Uh Robert Rude is almost the perfect pro wrestler. Just no weak point whatsoever, except. Unfortunately, the the way he's been booked for a number of years, because I understand a good athlete can can do moves and Rude can lead, but Steiner just has every. He seems comfortable. He gets the little shit already, and he has that magnetism. And then finally, they had a nice match. Rude goes for a double axe handle type thing off the ropes. Steiner catches him, powers catches him in midair, hits the power slam one two three and just great, and then Ziggler came out and caught Steiner from the blind side with one super kick and laid him out and taunted him just the right amount of time. Boom. This was this was my, my second favorite thing on TV all week from anybody. And there was one more thing. Browner, do you have any questions about what I just said?
1: I don't have any questions, but I am looking forward to seeing him against Dolph Ziggler there are matches I'm looking forward to. I'm really dreading the entire WrestleMania weekend overall, (laughs) but there are specific matches I want to see. And that's one of them.
0: There's like one match on each show. Yeah, pretty much one match on ring of honor, one match on stand and deliver one match each night of the two night. Yeah. Um, but the other match on this show, Valter against Duke Hudson. And I was ready not to like this because Duke Hudson is. He's another guy. Everybody in NXT now is either from the UK or Australia or New Zealand. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but he's as big, he's as tall as Walter and pretty much probably weighs close. And I didn't think this was a good matchup visually, but at the same time, Volter just took matters in his own hands and just did the, the perfect thing that he always does every time he's in the ring and can escape the clutches of the writer's verbiage and booking. Everything he was making his slams look impressive. Duke Hudson can't punch, save his life. His punches are the shits. Volter hit one chop in this thing. I've never heard anything like it. The people started chanting holy shit from one pop or from one chop. It sounded like a clap of thunder rather than the rifle crack or the smack or whatever. It was deep and immediately you saw Hudson's chest just turn red. And Volter in a singles match that he can control all the way. He's almost flawless in the six mans and his other shit going on. But this match, he beat the guy up. He chopped him and he power bombed him one two three. The guy got some offense because he was big and he, you know, he he didn't. It was right again. Volter knows how to do him. And this guy got the right amount of offense without it being ridiculous that Valter's bumping for a nobody.
1: Who's that Walter and the, working go with? Go ahead. Who's he working with at the uh, Stand and Deliver show?
0: Well, that would be L.A. Night, I oh. believe. Because, well, <laughs> here's the thing. It, what they did next was, here comes L.A. Knight, And they do a promo confrontation, and Valter goes, you are lots of talking, very little skill, right? And so, good old Eli, L.A., he nails Valter and Imperium attacks uh, L.A. Knight and they get literally two seconds of heat and here come MSK running all of a sudden and they make the big save and they all, guess who the last guy in the ring was that got beat up? Walter? Walter. And they all beat Valter up! And he bailed out. So they did a great segment. And by the time they finished with it at the end, they ended up back at the beginning, negating all the work they'd done for the previous 10 or 15 minutes. Well, what's more WWE than that? There you go. And, and the main event on the program, Brian, I know you hate, you miss this, the finals of the dusty classic, Kaylee Ray and EO Shirai against Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai. Kaylee Ray and Io, Io Shirai against Windy Chu and Dakota Kai. Kaylee Ray no, and Io Shirai against Windy Chu and Dakota Kai. You got to do it as a rap. You're doing it as a song. Do it as a rap. Well, Kaylee Ray motherfuckers and Io Shirai <laughs> cocksuckers against no. Windy Chu motherfuckers and Dakota Kai. Assholes, I don't fucking know. That's not how it works. This was the main event on a show with Steiner against Rude on it and Valter wrestling. And that was the finals of the dusty classic. And there, so that was the main event on the program, but yeah, Valter thumbs up. Steiner is the future. Rude is almost perfect. And solo Sokoa needs to get the fuck out of there. Cause he's too good and athletic to be stuck in this fucking land of embarrassment. Did they do any kind of big ceremony for the Dusty Classic finale? I didn't watch. As soon as I saw what the match was, I said, fuck, I could save 15 minutes. And boom, there you go. But there was that. Um, Did you watch any SmackDown?
1: I did. And I want to commend my current cable company, Xfinity, because the fast forward function, once you DVR certain shows, it has, I think it's like Smart Stop where you can press fast forward and it'll stop at the end of the commercial break. So you can see if you want to keep fast forwarding or watch what's there. So I got to skip past a lot of stuff, but I think I saw
0: all the important stuff. Well, see, I don't have the what you call the smart fast forward. I've just got a fast forward button that I don't fucking press again until I see somebody that I might be interested in. So this thing's going by at a high rate of speed. This was SmackDown for March 25th, and the reason, obviously we can include this today is because we're recording on Saturday for once. Well, once in a great while we do this, but because of all the various other scheduling issues. So we get the SmackDown in. They've got a week to go to two nights in a stadium that seats, well, however many it seats that they're going to claim they have 80,000 people in each night or more. And did the, the only interaction between anybody on this program that's going to draw any money, sell any tickets, or have any interest, this was like a, a two-hour Zoom call, wasn't it? Where all the opponents just appeared on a screen. Sometimes they'd switch places. Guy in the ring, guy backstage on the screen with guy in the ring goes backstage. Well, wait a minute. The guy backstage now's in the ring. And the guy in the ring is on the, on the screen backstage. When it just suddenly, without warning, goes to a recap package. You're like, wait, I think I was watching a live show. What just happened? Yeah, like, This is oh, like five yes. minutes. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's when Ronda Rousey came to the ring and then went to a commercial break. When they came back, five minutes of package and shit. Where was Ronda? And then they come back and there she's in the ring and their music's playing. Like that, <laughs> that it just happened seconds before. It had been like seven minutes since she walked out there. And you know they just had her walk down the aisle, and then they either sent her back and sent her back out, or they had her sit there at ringside for five minutes, like a goddamn lump on a log. But yeah, things just—it—it it was a Zoom call. A lot, lots of angry words were exchanged over modern technology. It started out with the package of last week's forklift incident with with Brock and Roman Reigns, and they're supposed to both be here live tonight, right? That's the selling point of SmackDown. After everything that's happened between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns over the last couple of weeks, they're going to both be here live tonight. And the first thing that we see is old cowboy Brock standing... (laughs) In a kind of a stilted position outside Roman Reigns' locker room, so you can see the the name on the door, and he just he uh, acquiesces to be interviewed by what's girl backstage interviewer's name, Caleb. Kayla? Kayla, Kayla Caleb, okay, she's good. I got to say, she's good at what she does. Well, but, but again, the the last time we saw this fucking lunatic maniac, he's driving a forklift into a SUV, and now he's just standing there wearing a cowboy hat, smiling, and being interviewed outside the. Locker room, but may he's got he's got fish to fry. Brock does, and she says that he shouldn't be there because he can't have contract contract contact according to the management. Unless with Roman Reigns, unless he's provoked. So Brock goes into Roman Reigns's locker room to wait for a good provoking, and puts his feet up on the coffee table and breaks the table. And he's there in Roman Reigns's locker room. And that's the way we start the program. Okay, shit's going to go on. Roman Reigns ain't going to like this. Although, if I have to be
1: honest, my first thought was, he's breaking shit. It's the building's stuff. It's not Roman Reigns'
0: stuff. He doesn't give a shit. He's going to be there for an hour. You're (laughs) thinking too deep. It's it's the craft services catering, and it's the arena's (laughs) coffee table and desk lamp and etc. And it's again, we go back to the caterings, champagne. But nevertheless, Roman Reigns doesn't want to be disrespected, right? And these these buildings, by the way, they will charge you for that stuff every time. We left the Knoxville Civic Coliseum back in the Smoky Mountain days. The next show, they would charge us for a chair if we broke it. But anyway, so after Brock puts his feet up in Roman Reigns's locker room. They start the show, and we go back to bad, boring, fake, and emotionless, passionless wrestling for 45 minutes. <laughs> They're on live television. Okay, I can buy that That maybe they might be a couple minutes late, even though back in the old days, talent call for a WWE television was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But they're on the air live for 45 minutes and suddenly pops up on the screen, Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, they're in their limo. They're not at the building yet. They've been driving around New York City all day, went to Del Frisco's, taking care of some business. They must not have been worried about New York City traffic because either they were they were drastically late getting to the arena because of the New York traffic, or they're just cutting it really close. And what Brian, you know, a traffic jam up there, you could be sitting somewhere same block for two hours. They seemed relaxed Very for a situation relaxed. like that. Absolutely. And also, they happened to have a camera hooked up for a live remote in a limousine. Who does? That was fortuitous. <laughs> this was not... This was not like a fucking Skype call on their cell phone. This was a professional video signal from allegedly the back of a vehicle that's somewhere in New York which requires a satellite uplink to feed to the truck at the origination point of the live telecast so that they can feed that self-same video signal back to the goddamn Titantron so people can see it. And they uh they said, "Well, boy, when we get there, we whenever that may be, Brock, you need to get out of my locker room. I'm a, or I'm gonna put your head through the wall." And we come out of that uh, again <sighs> I I understand not actually coming out and having the fight that you want people to pay for. But is it in any way believable or legitimate that the stars of this live television program emanating from a major arena in the New York metropolitan area wouldn't be in a building an hour after the fucking show started I'm just asking so the next say we immediately come out of that and here comes Ronda Rousey bad reputation the music Instead of the baddest woman on the planet, we get the smiling little girl slapping hands. And I mean, you know, put a little, some, what do they call them? The leader hosen and a little picnic basket on her. She'll look like fucking Pippi Longstocking in the Swiss Alps. And we see her going to the ring as we mentioned before, and then they go to break and they come back from the break and we get a video package of Rhonda versus Charlotte and the things that has happened amongst them the past few weeks. But where the fuck did Rhonda go? Oh, now they cut back to the ring and she's in the ring. And Brian, did you notice they did a pitch when they, when they, they, pitched to the package. I don't think her music was playing, but yet they come back after the package, seven minutes after her entrance and she's in the ring with her music going. I don't know what the fuck's going on here. However, again, I'm, I'm over Ronda Rousey now. Between the, she had a mystique. She had an aura. She had the, record of quick shoot wins that was followed up with a tremendous debut with angle and triple H involved. And she was somewhat protected as, as one of our researchers out there in the cult of Cornette pointed out, she's had 32 matches on her original run in total in front of people on this run. She's smiling, she's happy, she's lost the game face, she's shaking hands with the fans. At the same time, she gets in the ring and delivers the material that they have given her with all the passion and emotion of a patient in a medical coma. She's not really into it. They left her twisted in the battle royal where she didn't really know what she was doing because she didn't know how to fill the time. It's just, I'm not feeling this anymore. They still cheer for her because she's a star, but the more you see, the less special she is. She's one of the girls now. And she calls Charlotte out to settle things, and Charlotte appears on the screen. Another Zoom call. Again, they've done angles the past couple of weeks, so we don't need to see them beat each other up every week. But why do we have to see them talk to each other on... (laughs) with one on television and the other in the ring, and it's the same thing with, with their main events. And they're doing the same promotion here on the same show for Brock and Roman as they're doing for Charlotte and Rhonda. One's on screen, one's live. And it took a while for this verbiage to get over with, and it wasn't very exciting. And Rhonda's big point was that well, she's lost count of the arms that she's broken. I started counting, and then she said, and then I lost count. Where'd you lose count? Was it 15, 27? Give us a fucking range. Can you estimate? Has it been between 42 and 69? And it was a flat go-home line, and then Ronda Rousey walked out of the ring shaking hands again with the fans. What were your thoughts on this Exciting dissertation, Brian. Ronda Rousey needs to be a heel
1: or don't use her at all because this is so counterproductive. And I don't know how Charlotte Flair didn't just start laughing hysterically at Ronda cuz she was giving it wasn't just about the whole i lost count of how many arms I've broken. It was a speech.
0: She was giving this speech <laughs> and trying her hardest and it just was so bad. You're saying she sounded like she was in the high school auditorium? And doing a public speaking class and trying to recite, and much like Don Knotts at the the festival in the Ghost and Mr. Chicken. What is violence? Who is violence? Let me clarify this. That's what she's saying. Not good at all. You said that you're a pastor. I'm not looking forward
1: to that match. I'm not looking forward to anything with Ronda going forward. I think there are other women on that roster that are showing a whole lot more. Right now, she's riding on the star power of being Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Let's see how this matches. I actually think the match will probably end up being really good because she has
0: shown that she could rise to the occasion and Charlotte knows what she's doing in there. Yeah, the the match, I, I'm sure they will take some time and put some effort into the match. It's just, the it's a shame that the build has been bleh on Ronda's part. Uh, you got
1: to change course, I think, coming out of WrestleMania. I don't see how you keep doing it like this with Babyface Ronda.
0: And speaking of baby faces by the way after the uh, uh that interview brock is still in the locker room and he's running out of stuff to break cuz i think he broke the lamp and a bottle and something else but then they did another 40 minutes of bad boring fake wrestling and you mention during that 40 minutes rhea ripley was in a six girl tag stand rhea ripley next to ronda rousey Get a good picture of both of them standing there together and tell me, except for the name recognition for her past accomplishments, who needs to be the movie star and who needs to go back to farming chickens. Finally, at the end of the program... (laughs) Roman Reigns' limo pulls in the back and out gets Heyman and he's shitting himself cuz he's worried and out gets Roman Pauly says I'm feeling a little ill and they go to the break There are 15 minutes left in this live network television <laughs> program and the star of the show just pulled in the back I mean try Give us some, even if it was against their will that they were delayed by traffic in New York, people would believe that. But just give us something. You're doing an angle that everybody's seeing ahead of time, coming a mile away, because you've done it a million times or versions of it or variations of it. Everybody shows up late. Everybody gets in a goddamn pickle. And but whatever the case, so with 15 minutes left into the show. Finally, here comes Roman Reigns' entrance, and then there's the entrance and there's five minutes of crowd milking. Like I said, we used to have to get there to one in the afternoon. I one time I ate three meals in an arena with the WWF. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But he can just show up anytime. Um so Reigns gets in the ring and says if Brock is still in his locker room. And once again, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are the two biggest stars in the wrestling business today. Two biggest box office attractions. And Paul Heyman is a goddamn genius orator and the greatest, not just promo, the greatest actor of his generation. I love all these people, but this whole premise was stupid. If Brock is still in Roman Reigns' locker room He's going to come back and smash him. You just passed your locker room on the way to come out to the fucking ring. You could have checked. Then they have a shot of the locker room, which has been trashed, but Brock's not in it. Oh, wait. A Zoom call, Brock is on the screen, in the back, smashing Roman Reigns' SUV with a pickaxe. We've seen this on every promotions television multiple times now why don't you get a rental from fucking budget hey why isn't it a rental if he's in new york he doesn't live in new york well obvious obviously it is a rental which again (laughs) in the territory days when you would do an angle where you would trash some guy's car the fans knew it was the guy's car because the guy drove the car to the matches every week, right? Or maybe he just won it in the tournament that they had right in front of him. And then they smashed the windshield or whatever. But now the the obviously rented car service, it's it's fucking Joe's discount car services problem. But there's Brock bashing the shit out of the SUV. Roman Reigns, hey, no problem, I got four of them. Are they all four in Pensacola where you live? Wasn't that a long drive to bring one of them? I, I, blah, blah, blah. Then Brock starts walking. And Brock comes in from the crowd. And, and while they're looking, while Reigns and Heyman are looking down the entranceway, Brock comes in from behind from the crowd. But Paul sees him. Oh, my God. Brock stands up on the desk. So everybody in the building, this is a great visual. Brock's on the desk. Reigns and Heyman in the ring. Here comes security running out. Brock goes and gets a chair. And security tries to get in between him and the ring. And Brock beats the shit out of all those security guys with, with chair shots. While Reigns and Paul take off and Brock clears that ringside. And then, when Brock clears off ringside, <laughs> Roman Reigns is on the screen again with a final word. Well, Brock, God damn it, they just kept changing places all fucking night. Uh, I don't know if this was the equivalent of Steve Austin and the beer truck of getting people to talk about a a subject or a big match or an issue or whatever. Do you? I said it the other day, and I saw very little
1: pushback. There, to me, is such a little buzz about WrestleMania, and they've done such a poor job of building up everything, besides telling us it's the most stupendous. And the biggest match of all time. It doesn't feel like that in any way. And the build-up is part of the reason. You're right. Charlotte shows up on that video screen from some studio to confront Ronda in the ring. And then Brock and Roman, there were so many different, there was a camera phone, there was a camera backstage. I mean, they were on so many different formats. And just back and forth. And this isn't how I would build up
0: matches. You know, it used to be that the main event at WrestleMania was a masterpiece. It had been carefully crafted. And then finally, when the artists got in the ring, and they would paint on that canvas a, a complete masterpiece that could be enjoyed for generations to come. Now they're just plopping it out there on a plate. It's not like a masterpiece at all. It's not like a masterwork, Brian. It's not a masterwork. No, it's not a good work at all. It's not a good work at all, but you know where you can get the masterworks. Because folks, in this uncertain financial environment that we live in, you never know what's going to be worth what. You know, gas right now, $4.50 a gallon. It was $4.50 a gallon 15 years ago. In between that, it was $1.50 a gallon. Look at what happens to the stock market. Stock market goes up and down based on all kinds. Of current events. Things that happen all over the world have an influence on everything. And one thing collector's plates. Those Franklin Mint collector's plates, son of a gun, wouldn't you know who won the pony? Some of those do go down in value. But one thing that never depreciates, it only appreciates, and that's fine art, the masterworks, fine classic artists, and precious blue chip art and masterpieces that never goes down there's always some rich asshole that wants one of those right
1: and if you had a
0: always there's always a rich asshole that wants something of something and if you had one of those Picassos or Monets or Basquaits Monet Basquiat or Rembrandt there you go hmm? all right well there you go Or Van Gogh, or any of those fine, fine artists, or Michelangelo. Close enough. Or his little sidekick, David. (laughs) Regardless of what masterworks... What about David's little sidekick? Well, and David's little sidekick, Master P. (laughs) Masterworks let normal guys like you and me... Diversify our portfolios. It doesn't have to be just stocks, it doesn't have to be just bonds, just precious metals like gold, silver, platinum, uranium. I've got a lot of uranium at home. But Masterworks lets you diversify your portfolios with blue chip art from the masters. The ultra wealthy have done it for centuries. And it's no wonder blue chip art prices outpace the S&P 500 by 164%. For the last twenty-five years, that means if you had got your mother, Brian, to buy you the Mona Lisa forty years ago when you were just a small young child, it'd be worth at least two hundred percent more now. It certainly has gone up in value, of course. Yeah, but she wouldn't do it when she had the chance. Just like my mom and that Action Comics number <laughs> I one. I knew it. I knew you were going to bring it back to that. Somehow yeah, I knew. We- it. <laughs> We've both learned our lessons folks. You can join the over 330,000 members of Masterworks and get priority access to Masterworks with my unique link. Go to masterworks.art/jim. That's masterworks.art/jim and you can find out how to invest and diversify into this fine art and exactly how to do it learn from the experts and you can see important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer because the only thing more important than disclosures are disclaimers and at masterworks you get both of them masterworks.art slash gym well we were talking about the Wrestlemania build and that we certainly didn't see that it was a masterpiece this year, but um, for the benefit of those who might not have been watching all the buildup that we've been muddling through and trying to skip most of it, what is the entire card for Wrestle WrestleManias this year? What's night one and what's night two? What have we got to look forward to or potentially avoid? Not to taint what you're going to say, but I have to say, looking at this... You used the word taint.
1: Not only is this underwhelming, but there's no good reason why this couldn't be one card on one night. So here it is, night one, in the order that they are listed on Wikipedia, for the WWE
0: Raw Women's Championship, mm. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. Okay, well, if normally when I hear women's something, I'm like, uh... Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Uh, uh, Becky is obviously one of the more over personalities they got. People love Bianca Belair. The people will probably be into it. I would think it's probably going to be, as the women's championships go, one of the better matches. Uh, I don't know that I would crawl across broken glass with Shiite Muslim terrorists dogging my footsteps just to be able to get the opportunity to see this but since it's on a show that we're going to be watching I don't think it'll stink did I give that a full-throated enough endorsement? If you call that an endorsement, sure. Sure! Match two
1: Ray and Dominic Mysterio versus The Miz
0: and Logan Paul Ray Mysterio is an all-time great and has his own niche. Nobody's ever been like Ray Mysterio, right? Including his son, poor Dominic. I just... I I see that kid working at Best Buy. I see him looking natural in in a fucking collared shirt selling stuff at Best Buy. I... I don't see Logan Paul um, being a polished professional wrestler since he has no—he's a—he's an athlete and he's probably going to try hard. But this is going to be a—it's going to be a deal where Miz and Mister and Ray try to get the majority of the work done. Dominic's going to do the best he can, and they're going to set up a couple of things for Logan Paul to look like he knows what he's doing, which basically uh, accomplishes the goal that they do every year where they make a celebrity no matter what their line of endeavor look like that they can actually wrestle i know logan paul's a big deal but is logan paul against the mysteria just because logan paul is on a wrestling show is that going to do box office bonanza business or would it have have had to have been logan paul against somebody that they may believe and want to see kick Logan Paul's ass. Do you see anybody thinking that Rey Mysterio or Dominic are going to give Logan Paul a proper drubbing? Well, to your earlier point, if you're going
1: with the idea that Logan Paul has a big fan base and you're going to use him because of that, I don't know if this is a way to use him that's going to cause any of those fans to go, wow, I really got to buy that WrestleMania show. Actually, man, I think about it, you don't have to say that at all. I really have to go to Peacock and click that WWE button and go find that WrestleMania show. If he was in the main event and it was pushed like that, and, and I'm not saying he should have done this, but if it was something where they got a lot of publicity for it, then it pays for itself without even knowing what they're paying him. But I don't really, think, a, a I don't fe- think any of his fans are really like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to see him in there with the Miz and the Mysterios." I don't think so. That,
0: that's what I'm saying. A feature. It doesn't have to be a main event, but a feature match against some. And they couldn't really have a single match because he don't know how to work, but stick the guy in a tag. But I just, I don't see, I haven't seen poor Dominic it, to me. I don't get it. I, I really don't. And I don't see why there are it, it's, we've got the Rolling Stones, ladies and gentlemen, the Rolling Stones will appear on our program. They'll be doing cooking. Mick's going to do a meatloaf. Keith will have some interesting brownies. You know, it, it's, it's yes, they're celebrities. Everybody knows who they are. Do we want to watch them cook? That's the thing. I will see. We'll find out. What's next? The next match, a grudge match. The third match listed here for
1: WrestleMania night one, Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin
0: <laughs> with Madcap Moss. All right. Uh, again, we liked Drew McIntyre when they were pushing him. He beat Brock Lesnar looked like a dominant guy. Then all of a sudden, what several weeks later, they said, well, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And they started beating him again. And, and now he's been interminably entwined, uh, inexorably intertwined with, uh, happy and mosh pit. And it's, it, even if, even if Corbin and mosh pit were, Really good wrestlers. Those gimmicks prevent anybody from wanting to see anything they do, don't they? Who's watching that shit? It doesn't appeal to me. Well, so hopefully Drew will win. But they've successfully made me
1: not care about Drew McIntyre. And when I watched his promo on SmackDown, I never realized this before, he delivers his lines the same way Randy Orton does. Go watch a Drew McIntyre interview and a Randy Orton interview back-to-back. They deliver
0: their lines the exact same way. Hey, there you go. Somebody talented in the audience, if we're wanting to make these deep fakes, go make a deep fake of Drew McIntyre doing a Randy Orton promo and vice versa. Let's see if we can tell the difference.
1: Well, Jim, while no one's looking forward to that match, perhaps nobody will also look forward to the next match. For the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, the champions Jimmy and Jay Uso defend their championships against Shinsuke Nakamura oh. and Rick
0: Boogs. I was not the booger. Not the booger. Okay, so you've got... Again, what, five or six years ago, people were throwing babies in the air when old shaky Nakamura decided to come to the WWF. And now he looks like an elderly, potentially physically infirm, spastic Japanese fellow being played to the ring by a fucking tie-dyed, muscle-bound, you know, guitar player named Booger. And there, there's the Usos. That's for one of the. How many tag team titles they have now? They got SmackDown. They got Raw. They got it. one of the three tag team champions in the company. Well, oh, there's also women's tag team champions. Don't forget that. I'm so, Oh, I'm sorry. One of the six tag team. You're talking me out of wanting to watch these shows now. You realize well, this. hold on, can hold we, on. Can, we, can we rethink
1: WrestleMania? Let me talk you back into it. Match five on night one of WrestleMania 38, as some may know it, or I think as Vince McMahon says, don't use any numbers. For the SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair defends against Rowdy Ronda Rousey.
0: We wanted to see that a lot more in concept than we have in execution, but as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the match still will probably carry the day, even if the build has been rotten. Ronda Rousey has no is putting no effort, has no oomph or passion or emotion in her speaking because she probably, A, doesn't care, or B, doesn't feel like she does it very well and and she's right or whatever. But as an athlete, she'll probably put some pride in that performance, and Charlotte is going to do everything she can to steal the show because she's in position to. As I told her dad one time in the airport the night after his Match with Luger on A Clash of Champions. Nate, you stole the show, but it was petty theft. It'll be a good match. I don't know if I would have pulled over off a busy interstate and stopped my entire life to fucking watch it, but it'll probably be a pretty good match.
1: Those five matches plus on night one on the KO
0: Show with Kevin Owens, special guest Stone Cold Steve Austin. And obviously that'll be the last thing that we see. It better be. What on the lineup that you just read is gonna follow Steve Austin coming out and farting live?
1: I don't think you can. I don't think you can
0: follow that with anything. Not not on that. night, not on this lineup, no way. No. So, hey, if if Fritz von Erich came back from the dead and Claude fucking gary hart maybe they'd pop for that but otherwise um yeah i think gary hart would be
1: coming back from the dead as well it would be two zombies fighting at
0: texas (laughs) stadium (laughs) hey (laughs) two zombies in texas stadium would actually be more exciting than what you've just read to me then why Um, then why bring back
1: zombie gary hart when you could bring back zombie gene kaniski and do a real big rematch
0: Well, because Koniski didn't have as much heat as Gary Hart did. Well, that's true. They might have wanted to see Fritz win the world title from Koniski, but they didn't want to see him just hospitalize Koniski like they want to see him hospitalize Gary Hart. So if you're going to book a zombie match, Brian, go for the heat. Well, let's see if night two will make you feel like a zombie who needs to be hospitalized. Jim, a fatal four-way... I wish we had a defibrillator sponsor. Cause I'm going to need some kind of shock therapy about halfway through this thing. A fatal four-way tag team match for the
1: WWE women's tag team championship. The champions, Queen Zelina and Carmella, versus Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan versus
0: Natalia and Shayna Baszler. So what you're saying to me is if that's the first match on night two, I can pull a Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and show up late. Well, no, I don't think so. I think this is WrestleMania. You have an obligation. You have to watch all these shows. It's WrestleMania. But then I'd have an obligation to talk about that match. And then our our people, the people, would feel some obligation to listen to me talk about it, and I wouldn't want to do that to them. But you have Rhea Ripley,
1: you have Liv Morgan, you have Sasha Banks, Shayna we have Baszler. Rhea-
0: we have Rhea Ripley, Lost
1: in the Forest,
0: can't oh, see her on, for all stop. the Oh, come on, stop. Sasha Banks
1: is good, and Liv Morgan's good, too. And Shayna Baszler you've liked when, well, before she was a
0: vampire, she was pretty good. There's four fucking tag teams, eight girls, all fucking doing random shit. It's going to be a, and instead of a multi-man match, it's going to be a multi-woman match. Who's pulled one of those off lately, as in the last several years? Well, we'll see what goes on there. But in the next match, it's Anything Goes.
1: Of course it is. Match two on night two, Johnny Knoxville versus
0: Sami Zayn. Oh, Uh, you know, I'm glad they didn't run out of wrestlers to fight the celebrities. I mean, you know, again, Sami Zayn is going to try to come up with and he's not a stupid guy. He's going to try to come up with all kinds of shit that this fucking goofy middle aged moron of uh, reality, not even reality, there's nothing about jackass that was real, um, except their lack of mental capacity. He's going to try to figure out some shit the guy can do. And the guy, it's going to look like some Green Mark fan doing wrestling shit and high risk stuff because that's his gimmick and i just refuse to believe that there are any fans of johnny knoxville or anything that he's ever done that would cause them to want to go out of their way to see this program fucking idiot uh, over a crew of complete idiots
1: i do think he has fans however if you were going to use him in a wrestlemania to maximize his potential it probably should
0: have been 15 years ago not now from the from the looks of him maybe 20 maybe 20 and didn't he he's the one that came out and said also he got a bunch of brain damage doing another one of his jackass stunts so now they're they're awful uh strict on the wellness program except when some jack-off has never wrestled before but he's been on a tv show comes in and wants to jump off something oh sure turn your fucking medulla oblongata into a pile of jello we don't care it's publicity
1: Well, we will see how the wellness program is applied to the next
0: match. Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. Okay, I'm actually looking forward to that. Because Theory obviously is a prodigy. And Pat McAfee, we saw him, he had two matches. And one was a multi-man match. But the other one with Adam Cole, he carried his end and more. So I and he loves the business. He's actually had training. He's trained under Rip Rogers on his own before he even got involved with the WWE. So that'll probably be interesting. And theory, even though he's green, you can't lose him. They've they've tried to lose him and he sticks right with whatever. So if you know, if he can hang with Finn Balor, I would think that he would uh he'd be able to uh get something out of Pat McAfee. Match four, on night two of WrestleMania, a triple threat
1: tag team match for the Raw Tag Team Championship. <laughs> Wait a minute. you just, Oh, there's three of them where there's four in the other one. Right. Well, the champions, RK-Bro, comprised of Randy Orton and Riddle, will take on the Street Profits of Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford,
0: as well as Alpha Academy, Chad Gable and Otis. There are parts in there that you could actually pull out and put together something with, but all of them together at the same time. I can't be sexist, so I said the same thing about the multi-woman matches. I'll say about the multi-man matches. Nobody does them well, so I don't know why they keep doing doing them at all. And this one will be another one. Well, speaking of another one, in a grudge match. Edge takes on AJ Styles. Uh, you know, this could be, what do they call him, a sleeper? Uh, not to put you to sleep, but it. both those guys are incredible talents in the ring. I don't know, the, the, the writers took over and suddenly Edge lost his mind and, you know, b- tried to kill AJ because he... What was his reason? He wanted the best AJ, so that's why he's going to make him mad, or whatever the fuck. He was a beloved veteran that came back to get even, along with his wife, with nasty heels, and now two months later, he's goddamn a lunatic. Tried to kill AJ Styles, but if they just let him get in the ring and have a match, and they don't try to reinvent the wheel, make it cinematic, uh, go on too long, put too much drama where somebody's conflicted about whether they ought to stuck a rusty fishing knife up somebody's ass or not and just let them have a match, it'll probably be very, very good. Before I get to the final match currently listed for
1: the two nights of WrestleMania, and I think you probably see why I said this was A, underwhelming, and B, there's no good reason why this couldn't all be on one night. If everyone needs to go 20 minutes, you're doing
0: it wrong. WrestleMania
1: 3 was great. How many of those matches went under 10 minutes?
0: Cut the fucking entrances down and you'd have time for matches without having a six-hour show.
1: One of the matches not listed here is the one we all presume will be happening, Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. I would guess maybe it would be night one just because there are five matches in the Austin segment, and night two there are six matches listed. But we should mention that match unannounced here a week before the pay-per-view event. (laughs) But...
0: Everyone presumes that match will happen, Jim. And the question is, how and why? Um, again, they've done all this all of Seth Rollins pitching a fit because he didn't have a spot at WrestleMania. The point where then he fights his best friend to host his best friend's interview show at blah blah blah. Seth Rollins is a heel has been portrayed as a heel, has been acting like a heel, even though he's been interacting with other heels and babyfaces willy-nilly. But if Cody shows up, are they expecting the people to really cheer him? Because to the WWE fans, are they mad at anybody that has been responsible for AEW? You see how they joust with each other on... Well, I'm just wondering, you see how they all joust with each other on the internet? The AEW fans think the WWE sucks, which it does. And the WWE fans think that AEW sucks, which it does. And but they both think that their own promotions are good, which they're not. So the question becomes now: who's the babyface? Who's the heel? How do they just present this on that weekend without an angle or some explanation? Does Cody just drop by to say hello? And does Seth come out and say, now he's on WrestleMania and I'm not? Well, let's fight. How do they do that? Who's going to cheer for who? How is Cody going to be presented, if he even indeed is? Or if this has all been a massive, you know, tug on her pud? Um, Can I book I, it? I, please, go ahead. In Cody fashion, let me tell
1: you how it would happen if Cody was in charge. Seth goes to the ring laughing and dancing, the apocalypse party boy himself. He's in there doing whatever he does and saying whatever he says. And all of a sudden, you hear, Who told you it was open mic night, bitch? (laughs) And out comes Brandy. That's what we need. (sighs) Well, beyond that, Jim, the final match, Night 2 of WrestleMania, Champion versus Champion, title for title, Winner takes all to unify the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar... WWE champion versus Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns being the universal champion.
0: And obviously this is what's drawing any money that's being drawn. And it's what most everybody wants to see. And how's it going to come out? And of course, uh, again, even though I'm looking forward to something, I have a feeling they're going to fuck it up after the fact by doing some kind of, screwy shit where there's still two champions or where they reestablish a secondary champion or whatever. Uh, but it, yes, they need to unify the title. There needs to be one world champion. There only needs to be one guy in the fucking company. And this is the two biggest box office attractions in the business now. And they're probably going to ha- have a heck of a match. They got Heyman in the corner there to advise both. Uh, I I don't mean publicly, but I mean he's obviously going to be heavily involved in setting this thing up. So this will, again, this will probably be a show stealer. Whether the case is it's petty theft or not remains to be seen, but that's what everybody's looking forward to. And I just hope there's some way that they don't screw it up and they keep one dominant universal champion or whatever they're going to call it, Going forward, for the the good of the business in general and the company, instead of all this ridiculousness of multiple champions everywhere, they ought to—they honestly—they ought to fucking go down and and have an elimination series and come up with one set of women's champions, one set of tag team men's champions, ones one set of everybody, and then they can have the U.S. title or the Intercontinental title or whatever. But you can't have multiple world champions just because they're on a different channel it's ridiculous or in the case of NXT same channel as the other uh, as the other show just different roster it's ludicrous having said that yeah having said that uh Brock and Reigns and I'm predicting Roman Reigns by the way gets his hand in the air Well, some would say ludicrous, but others would say
1: stupendous, and that is the two (laughs) nights, two nights of WrestleMania, currently 11 matches listed in the Steve Austin segment, but with the Cody Rhodes match, that's 12 matches. There's no reason this needs to be two nights other than the desire to sell two nights worth of tickets.
0: Yes, and also the desire to indulge everybody in having 17-minute entrances and letting them go 20 minutes bell to bell when people didn't really want to see the thing start to begin with. Uh, But that's, you know, we're making content. We're just filling time now. It's not, when I first got in the business, Bill Dundee said to me, we say how long, we're not selling time, we're selling action. Get it right and go. Now it's, we're not selling action, we're selling time. Stay out there until we tell you you can leave. Do you think it would have helped modern wrestlers if they had worked Fort Worth TV? Yes, then they wouldn't ever want to go long ever again. Because sometimes (laughs) on that Fort Worth TV, you were out there, you felt like this is is some level of hell that I'm in perpetually, and we will never be allowed to go home. (laughs) Hey, try a 25-minute two-out-of-three-fall cold singles match between fucking Brian Adidas and, and Dennis Condry. Dennis was a goddamn genius and a magician, but there's only some things even Merlin can't do. Yeah, you got you had plenty of time to go out and go as long as you wanted on that, that program, and it would break you of the habit. But Brian, I'm just thinking, after, after two nights of this, I got to be honest, I don't know whether some of those matches are going to go down very smooth or not. I'm worried about you and me both our our digestion.
1: Well, there's no need to worry because we obviously have a
0: solution to any digestive issues. Well, now it just depends it depends on how bad this this WrestleMania weekend might be because even a great daily symbiotic might not be able to overcome the indigestion that we're going to suffer over this, but at least, as you said, we do have access to a broad spectrum, two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic daily symbiotic. You'll see a lot of biotics here, folks. Antibiotics, probiotics, prebiotics, all kinds of biotics. It's a proprietary formulation of 24 distinct probiotic strains, in scientifically studied dosages. Of course, I'm talking about seed. Folks, the two-in-one capsule that protects the probiotics through the digestive system to ensure delivery to the colon. And that's what we're talking about here. Delivery to the colon. The colon has to be receptive of everything. And if your colon receives daily deliveries, You're going to feel better, look better, sound better, smell better. You're certainly going to be in a better mood. If you've taken a probiotic before and never felt a difference, it's likely because the good bacteria was not surviving through your GI tract to go straight to your colon. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you right now in the most forceful way that if you listen to Brian Last and Jim Cornette, You will have things delivered to your colon on a regular basis, right straight through. No detours. No stopping. (laughs) Straight to the fucking colon. Because a daily symbiotic (laughs) will support benefits in and beyond the gut. Seed will support ease of bloating. If you start bloating up until you're floating like that little delinquent in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, you don't have to start burping and farting because seed will ease your bloating. Augustus. You won't... Yeah, that's what his little prick's name was. Little prick. Yeah, well, he did what he wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> don't do that, or we'll deliver some shit to your colon, too. <laughs> seed will also support healthy regularity. It was a river of fudge I think he was eating from. It. A river of fudge, well. And then he got stuck in the fudge in fudge out you know what they say the healthy regularity will keep you in the bathroom pretty much all your daily life at least every waking hour but you'll notice that you're what no 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 let's just make sure
1: we let people know there's parts of this that are joking you will be in the bathroom no extraordinary amount of time no all day or anything you will just be more regular
0: no, you'll be in and out. You'll be in and out. You'll feel like it's safe to leave, and then moments later, you'll be back <laughs> no, don't say that. It'll be what? safe to leave the bathroom. <laughs> you can and, go- <laughs> you're, you're aided by the ease of evacuation. That, that may be a, a polite way of saying, this shit's going to fly out of you. And, boy, I'll tell you what make sure there's a splatter guard in the bathroom. Stop. Will you stop? Listen, you can use this
1: product comfortably without worrying about needing splatter guards or
0: easy exit without your uh, consent. (laughs) Yes. Well, No, you'll consent to the stuff exiting. You'll know it's leaving when it leaves, you'll know about it, the ease of evacuation. And also there'll be no problem with a splatter guard, paint the interior of your bathroom. A good neutral brown, you'll be fine. And it'll also support the seed at the seed's daily symbiotic, will also support your gut barrier, your skin health, heart health, and your micronutrient synthesis. So if you're synthesizing micronutrients right now, don't use those chemicals you get at the hardware store or keep under your sink, because those are. Flammable, and they can blow up during the process. Instead, a good natural micronutrient synthesis will happen in your stomach with only the, the briefest of, of flames and hotness. Anyway, start a healthy new <laughs> habit today and then visit seed.com drive and use the code drive to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's Daily Symbiotic seed.com slash drive use the code drive you're going to get 20% off your first month you're going to shit like a goose and love it you're going to have a healthy gut as opposed to rotten gut or all the other things that can happen to your gut you want to take care of your gut i got a gut feeling about people's guts they're important so seed.com that's right that's right well should we get back to wrestling oh that would be lovely well the <clears throat> aew rampage on friday night got delivered to everybody's colon oh you watch rampage i didn't watch rampage no i didn't it got delivered to everybody's colon i can't see down there my head's not up my ass but i heard what was on it do you want to hear what was on rampage sure lance archer versus dustin Rhodes. The door, and by the way, Dustin beat Lance Archer. Oh, wow. I'm surprised yeah. to hear that. Well, so was everybody else. Course, then they beat the shit out of Dustin afterwards. Who's they? Um, Lambert and all of his fellows. Oh, that's right. Lance they're, Archer's they're, with them, yeah. Because Now, apparently they're trying to translate Lambert's previous heat with Brandy and Cody over to Dustin. The Dork Order 5 and 10. That sounds like a fucking dime store. The Dork Order 5 and 10. Number 5 and number 10 faced Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Nyla Rose went one-on-one with Maddie Rinkowski. And Ricky Starks competed against Swerve. They've given up that was just last night. We don't know if anybody watched it, but since uh, I don't know, there was nothing else big going on. Maybe somebody fell asleep in front of the TV and and they'll get a number, but they've just given up on Friday completely. So that's what that was. Um, Will you want to talk about Wednesday? Wednesday? I did watch. Well, shame on you. (laughs) Uh, You were supposed to stay up late on Wednesday, but, um, We'll get to that, and then then we'll get to the main event on our program, which is, of course, the watch-along, the actual wrestling portion of our program. However, again, another week where AEW started off. Wow, this is fucking great. And then steadily every segment descended into chaos. Uh, AEW Dynamite for March 23rd, as soon as they come on the air, like Mussolini, with his dog Larry. Did you see that Larry was on... Larry was embroidered or emblazoned on Punk's warm-up jacket? I actually didn't notice that, no. You didn't notice that? I didn't. You thought Punk's real name was Larry? I
1: guess I just didn't pay attention to the placement of Larry, however it was placed. Larry's
0: a fine little puppy. Uh, But anyway, we had... CM Punk versus Dax Harwood in a singles match. I wrote wrestling exclamation point question mark because it was so surprising in a vacuum. If you didn't know anything else about the wrestling industry, who, what promotion was on top, what promotion was big or small, who was where, and you just watched this match. And then you turned and you watched a W any WWE program pretty much just about, even the good matches they have, you would have you would think that this AEW was the major league promotion. Because even when the WWE lets the guys that they have that can go have a good match, it doesn't look the people aren't into it as much because the WWE fans have been taught that matches are the meaningless breaks in between entrances and zoom calls. This had two quality professionals, experienced veterans, one guy, a major name. The other guy should be a major name, but his, the booking of him has been rotten. Um, the people were into it. You had announcers that sounded like, you know, that every once in a while they, they were calling a wrestling match, unlike on the other program. Just in a vacuum, just watch this match and watch anything from the WWF and you would think AEW is the major league. And then you would watch another segment of AEW and go, what the fuck was I just thinking? Every time they make a good impression, they have to put shit on the same show that will negate that. So let's talk about the positive first. Obviously, again, Punk and Dax i mean i don't even need to recap the match it was everything you would expect dax works like a heel punk had the fucking people behind him as a baby face everything made sense it looked sharp and snug it was a contest there was no ridiculous tumbling and the people got into it the more that they took them on the ride if they did do a big move it was sold I mean, at at the start, Punk shined a little, then Dax got a little heat. Then there was the comeback, the big one-two in the ring. The, the, The beautiful superplex, Dax, after they fought for the superplex, instead of just standing up there or climbing up and gingerly assisting each other on the top rope to do a big move that everybody was cooperating on, they fight for the position on the top, block a couple of things, And finally, Dax crotches Punk and then gives him a big superplex off the top. They both sell it. And then Dax hits a dabbing headbutt, gets a two-count, just barely. Dax goes for a suplex. Punk reverses it. Both of them go over the top rope. Great bump. And they're selling. And that's what brings old Cash Wheeler down to ringside. He's starting to get concerned. Uh, punk hit that crossbody off the top, got a two count, and goes into the Anaconda Vice or Anaconda Vice. Dax pulled his hair to break the hold. Imagine that, a heel cheating to break a submission hole. Uh Dax se- still sent a little nod to the exile Tully Blanchard. He did the slingshot power bomb. Two count. And the people are starting to chant, This is awesome. And they were right for once. It wasn't just meaningless children's tumbling. It was two good pro wrestlers. Punk goes for the GTS. Dax blocks it into the sharpshooter. Punk rolls through into the Anaconda vice, and Dax has to tap. Great match. I, I can't fault anybody involved in the match. The fault of anything, if FTR had been booked properly as a dominant heel tag team, then, when you split them up into signal into signals into singles, it would have more impact, and it would allow the star the single star that beats one of the top heel tag guys to shine a little brighter because they'd be over more but Unfortunately, as we know, since f t r was not gifted with the same privilege that the not only the major stars but also the fucking worms of the roster that have their EVP titles and their indie darling status. They were all given the privilege, to do whatever the fuck they wanted in their booking. FTR was following the rules and were buried when they came in and have never gotten a chance. So now, and actually, it uh, honestly, I think it's too late at this point. Uh, you see all of the... Because the AEW fans have no idea what it takes to... <laughs> To be an accomplished professional wrestler, they've they've seen and they've most of the AEW fans. There are some wrestling fans in that group, but they've fallen in love with the fucking kids cosplay crowd, and they just want to see crash and burn bullshit for no reason. And that has kept a, a lot of the AEW fans from being able to recognize what FTR can do because they don't know how to look at a good match they just look at chaos but if a focused booker that could actually put a roster together that didn't look like a mixture of Victorian antiques and shit from the sharper image because it's all over the page had put something together for FTR with a plan from the start they would be the most over tag team in the company right now because they wouldn't be doing the same goddamn shit every week like the Cucamonga Kids and the rest of their ilk. But anyway, so the only problem I found was that it's just another way to penalize Dax because everybody wants to work with Dax or Cash and Singles because they're the best workers on the roster. So to get to have a great match and get a good win, you go to FTR. They just never had the opportunity to get over strong before they started getting the shit kicked out of them because the people in charge of the company didn't know how to book wrestlers. They only know how to book gymnasts and chaos. What'd you think of that match? Oh, I love that match. It was fantastic.
1: Just to touch on what you just said, I would actually like to see a Cash Wheeler singles match. I don't know if we've ever actually seen one. We've seen a few with Dax. I don't know if we've seen one with Cash.
0: Well, we probably will after they beat Dax a few more times, and we'll see Cash doing some jobs also.
1: This match was excellent, and it was made even better by the fact that they had a super hot crowd. And I thought that was part of the story for me watching it. Here were two guys working a classic wrestling match, a wrestling match that would have worked 20 years ago, 30 years ago, a wrestling match that works today. And the crowd was eating it up, and they were so into it, and they were so loud, and they didn't need to do those flips and everything. If the Young Bucks had opened the show, and I'm not even trying to pick on them, but using them as an example, they would have just gone out there and burned out the crowd with nonstop stuff. And if the crowd went with it, they couldn't have possibly reacted as loud as they did to the stuff in the punk match. No. And they didn't need to do any of that. It says something about what still works. And I think that was one of my big takeaways. And it's the most frustrating thing to me. Tony Khan sits at a table with a headset and a monitor in front of him. And he's watching all of this. And he cares more about all this than any of us do. And he saw the Punk-MJF program. And before that, the little brief things we got with, let's say, Punk and Kingston, MJF and uh, Pillman Jr., MJF and Darby. And now Punk is doing this match with Dax. We'll see where this goes with Punk. He wants the belt. That's interesting. MJF has the thing with Wardlow, we'll talk about that later. They called back the punk. But after seeing all that, a feud that everyone has talked about how good it is. It's not just people like us who are out of touch and hate anything, you know, under the age of 25 or whatever the uh claim is. Everyone. Everyone talked about how good it was the matches, the feud, the logic, the promos, everything. Yet he still lets this other stuff get on the show on the same show with stuff like this. A serious match that worked that set a great tone and then the tone changes. And I just, I know it's kind of like this, throw everything against the wall. You know, it's the wrestling circus. We have the elephants and a little while we're going to have the clowns and then we'll have this. But when something works so well and it sets the tone so well and it keeps working, every punk segment, every MJF segment, some other guys are hit or miss, but there are at least two guys that are doing it why can't the whole show look like
0: this? It works, even their fans like it.: But instead, well, you and you missed one? Brian Danielson. Well, I't I didn't Hold use Brian Danielson because they have yeah. completely
1: cooled him yeah. off to yeah. me, and I was yeah. as high on him as
0: anyone. That's the point I was making. You are you're talking sense there, Brian. You're saying sensible things. But you're not dealing with sensible people. As we will talk about here in just a few minutes, this company had the absolute best in-ring heel in professional wrestling and have just figured out a way to fuck that up. So you can't mean to tell me that you think just because Tony is seeing shit going on in front of him that he's going to fucking realize what he's seeing in front of him. Because no, he can't. Because he's like the guy that wants to put the fucking antique Victorian vase next to the goddamn electronic fucking potato peeler from sharper image. He does it. He just picks, he collects things. He's a collector that picks shit up without any rhyme or reason to how it's going to go together in his collection. He acquires things. He, he can't focus on, getting his previous acquisition in place before he acquires something else, and then he just can't focus. I think that's what it comes down to. He thinks that everybody has a mind that is working at 500 miles an hour, bouncing off the walls, and needs sedation like he does. And he thinks that everybody just wants to see every goddamn thing that they've ever seen before. It's like putting all the animals at the zoo in the same cage. Look at that! Where do you ever see that? You don't. For good fucking reason, half of them are about to get eaten. It's just a mess. And the individual talents that are given some type of fucking leeway to do their own shit most often shine through, except when it's the comedy half of the program. Anyway, I... And you, brought this up, match. Go,
1: go ahead. and you brought up the commentary. I just want to say one other thing, because I've been really, really negative on Shivani being on commentary right now. I just don't think he adds anything. He's just saying things that are, I'm so excited to be here. He should be the interviewer. That should be his full-time role. He's fine in it. The fans love him in it. I think if Shivani was off commentary and just doing interviews, it would help a lot. Now, you still need someone, I'm not a fan of a three-man booth, but you definitely need someone to buffer between JR and Excalibur, But I don't don't think it should be Shivani. He's adding nothing to that role. He adds something to the interview role.
0: Well, I agree with you there. I wish uh, the, the buffer between Jim Ross and excrement would be a large Ford pickup truck that Jim Ross was driving and excrement was a jaywalker. So anyway, we, we, oh, and by the way, Jericho. Now you got to admit he heard us. He heard us. He went on a diet. He's cut the carbs. He's lost some weight. He's got a nice fake tan. He's colored his hair. He's looking better physically. Whose hair? Uh, Jericho's hair. He's colored it. Whose hair right? is it? Well, I it, he bought it. I don't know who it, he bought it from, but it, he owns it because he paid for it. But now he's also picked up three new stooges. He... This whole group around him is meant to just be a spotlight for him because I'm sure he's told these guys he's going to get them over, and they're happy because now they've got a spot. But it's going to be that they get the shit kicked out of them, and so that he, if people don't kick the shit out of him, and he's it, basically it's Mo, Larry, and Curly with Jake Hager, the nasty Wabbit. And the Jericho Appreciation Society, is are these main event fellows? And they didn't try to make them main event fellows before they put them in this thing. They brought them in out of nowhere. They put them on every television. They have not won a fucking match. They've been beaten by everybody in the company. I'm sure they won something on YouTube. I'm talking about in the real world. I love these fucking, they continue, the AEW fans continue to say, well, you have to watch the YouTube and the dark and the elevation and the this and that. No! If it ain't on fucking national goddamn cable television, it must not be important. I got a limited amount of time. So they everybody in the company beats them, and then Jericho brings them in to change their name and make stooges out of them so that everybody can beat them instead of him. And there's Magic Mike and fucking Daddy Luke and cool whip parker and that one guy I, though magic mike or whatever his fucking name
1: is the one with the big head he's got personality yes i don't know yes, what he's it. saying or what he's talking about but he's got personality daniel garcia if he didn't open his mouth he could look a little intimidating because he looks like, the, <laughs> like like i said i like a soccer hooligan he looks like a fucking yeah. classic skinhead out of uh you know the fucking ska movement i'm not saying a skinhead in terms of being a nazi or anything but like he just has a look you could see him starting a fight in a bar until he opens his mouth and then it's like oh boy whatever he's reciting don't do that again and i'm already getting sick of all jericho's catchphrases
0: well they're trademarked though that's Um,
1: not entertainment
0: chris but that's not entertainment (laughs) we'll see more of that in a second but anyway so they follow the next match they follow cm punk versus dax harwood in one of the certainly 10 best singles matches they've ever had in the company with an eight man tornado tag team match. All eight guys in at the same time with no disqualification. Lazy booking sting Darby Allen and Matt and Jeff Hardy against private party and butcher and blade with Andre and Jose and bunny. And I do I do. I <laughs> they have reunited the Hardy boys, Matt and Jeff Hardy, and two weeks after their reunion, they're in a multi-man, eight-man garbage match with a bunch of middle card nobodies. And nobody is going to point out that this is completely insane. And not only that, but they put them in a garbage match where there's a high probability that one or both of them is going to get injured before they ever capitalize on Jeff Hardy being here at all. It didn't help the ratings. They still did a million people it's the same million people. They do every time they hot shot something. It isn't on pay-per-view. So it hasn't sold any tickets. And now he's wrestled two weeks in a row on free television against job guys. And this <laughs> I was in too good a mood from the opening match to watch this because we all knew what it was going to be. The same shit they always do, and there's nothing new to say about it. So as fast-forwarding, they were all over the arena. They did some ridiculous stunts, tricks, as they call them. There were some garbage cans. They fought in the arena breezeway. Jeff Hardy did a swanton from 20 feet up the side of the wall through the merchandise table on two of these morons that we were obviously laying there motionless, scared to death, and able to move anytime they wanted to. And then somehow the baby faces won in a huge, shocking upset. What? Two weeks of the Hardy Boys and it's over already? What the fuck? How could you do this on purpose if you said, I'm going to reunite one of the most popular tag teams in the history of wrestling? And within the first two weeks, they will be having shitty matches with underneath guys and nobody will care. And I will not have utilized Jeff Hardy's debut in my company to sell one fucking single ticket. Could you believe this? I sadly can
1: believe it. And even though I'm not been a big Matt Hardy fan, there was such a better way to do all of this. I will say, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I wondered about this when he first came in based on the way we've seen him the last several years and, you know, his popularity. Whether despite the fact that the Hardy boys were always popular, is the real value bringing him in and making him in a tag team or Jeff Hardy as a singles wrestler? I actually think maybe they should have brought him in as just Jeff Hardy and put him in the singles division. Because look no. at what happened. Put him in a tag team division. He's in a match with the Butcher of the Blade and Private Party. Oh, don't forget Andrade and his assistant. Just what a way. And they've wasted. We, we're going past the idea they've wasted Darby and Sting on this show for a little while now, too. But this is ridiculous. This is week three. He debuted dancing to the ring while saving his brother. Second week he had the match, now he's in a Texas Tornado free-for-all match. Not one match on pay-per-view yet, tag or single. Could have been built up. First match, Jeff Hardy and AEW. You know, everyone says it's always the same million people, but look at how many people buy the pay-per-view. Hey, then try to pop the pay-per-view rate. Try to pop what your pay-per-view number is going to be. They didn't even try to do that. I really can't explain any of this. It's not And let's logical.
0: say, w- when, when's their next pay-per-view? May, June? Let's say uh, they didn't want to wait that long. I think it's May. I have to double-check. Okay, let's say they didn't want to wait that long. You could still have promoted the debut of Jeff Hardy on your live national television more in advance and in a better way than six hours ahead of time on Twitter. But your idea, I have one disagreement with your idea, otherwise it was good, yet yeah, J- Jeff Hardy as a single may have been better to be brought in like that and put him straight into the singles title picture, because if nothing else, because of the complete rottenness that Matt Hardy has been involved in since this company's been started. He's it's been, it went from embarrassing to just sad everything that Matt has done, but bringing Jeff Hardy in as a single. Now you've got a 45 year old daredevil that looks and moves like one more swanton's going to break him in half and you're wanting him to carry the load in singles matches. If this was 10 years ago, yes, they should have bypassed Matt directly for Jeff into the top singles picture. But now at this point, it would have been better for both of those guys who are in their mid to late 40s as a tag team Even with Matt's crummy booking over the last few years and that nobody gave a shit about him anymore, you could still reunite the Hardy Boys, the sum of the parts, greater than the whole, whatever that statement is. And they could, tag team matches, neither one of them would have to do shit that they're obviously not able to do anymore and shouldn't be doing for their physical well-being. But that would have required a top antagonist team, a top heel team, uh and a great angle to bring Jeff back into the fold with Matt and getting the high profile match done first so that the fans didn't have time to see, wait a minute. They ain't the boys anymore. They're the Hardy 48-year-olds. Cuz once they see through that, then your clock is ticking on the way back down on the nostalgia run. This has been botched in every conceivable way that it could be botched.
1: And by the way, to your point, they aren't the Hardy Boys anymore. If you notice, they're just the Hardies.
0: Well, yeah. just You know, like, just at some point when I was in my 30s, my rich mother had to, you know, fucking stop telling me what to do at some point because it was ridiculous rather than heat getting. Anyway, that's what happened there. Another interview with FTR and Tony in the back where they now they're talking about the ass boys. So now that Dax has done his job putting one of the stars over, now they're back to dealing with underneath tag team programs. Uh, Although, let's be fair, you were the first one before me. You said you saw something
1: in the gun boys. I'm not going to call them what you call them. You saw something in them. Yeah. I actually saw something in them too. Now, Dak the problem is Dax and Cash have been used like dog shit. That's what I'm not
0: saying forever. there's anything wrong with the Ass Boys. I'm saying that here's another okay, the do you want to beat the Ass Boys with FTR? Well then you've stopped the Ass Boys momentum before they've ever got started, which then is that you've done the same thing you did to FTR before they ever got started. They were fucking whipped into line. Nobody's ready to do the the favors for the next guy to bring them up because their booking has been so rotten. That They're not ready to give a guy a hand up. Anybody, practically. So one or two people. And they, FTR did this interview. They didn't sound confident saying this. They had nothing to say. And they, they pretty much, I think at this point, know that this cause is lost, which is why they're out looking for select independent bookings, not for the money, but so that they can actually have good matches against good teams. They're working for a billionaire that has a national television show and they're having to go work independence not for financial reasons but just to be professionally fulfilled. This is fucking ridiculous. It's like you got a goddamn violin virtuoso in with a bunch of drunken hillbilly fiddler players. It just, it's fucking ridiculous. Speaking of drunken hillbilly fiddlers, Moxley was next (laughs) I don't know now I thought he was the CEO of Moxley plumbing now he looks like he's the lost darling brother from Andy Griffith I just should we say it now we talked about Tony not being able to see shit in front of him Brian Danielson as a single heel was possibly the best thing in wrestling in any company And they changed it. And Brian Danielson's talent was making it work. He was getting booed the fuck out of the building by a bunch of people that respect him as the best wrestler in the business. But because of his talent and his verbal ability and the little things he does, he was able to turn them and be the best heel in the business. And instead of capitalizing on that and changing plans they'd made two years ago when everybody was blowing each other about how great they were all going to be, instead of not putting the belt on fucking Adam Page, who's a fine intercontinental champion, as you've mentioned, and putting Brian Daniels, that belt on Brian Danielson so that everything that didn't revolve around Punk could revolve around him, Now they've backed up and now the people are cheering Danielson again because he's being managed by the beloved William Regal and fucking they've stuck Moxley on the edge of him to make him somehow palatable. And now we to see Danielson and or Regal, we've got to watch Moxley. So they... This way, you couldn't have begged, borrowed, or stolen Brian Danielson being the best heel in the business. It just occurred. It happened. He got it over, and they've completely disrupted the whole goddamn thing. Is that what you were pissed about earlier? I couldn't agree anymore. Brian Danielson had segments I was looking forward to. I
1: loved his crowd interplay. I loved the way he was on the mic. It felt natural. He was great as an in-ring working heel. I was excited about where they were going to go with that. I was even willing to sit through the idea he would work a program with Moxley. But I thought it would end. I thought it would end and he would move on to something else, continuing his greatness. I didn't think they were going to put him in a tag team as part of the Blackpool Fight Club or whatever with William Regal, who isn't going to get booed. He was so good, and like you just said, you said it perfectly. It was right under Tony's nose. He sees it like we see it. He observes it on the monitor. Like, we see it. I don't know if he sees it like we see it. But Danielson, for a very brief moment in time (laughs) was doing the best work of his best work in many, many, many years, and then it just ended, and now... I hate that it ended, and I have to say, because of William Regal, because I like William Regal, and he's been great on commentary. But this isn't what I would have done
0: moxley and danielson against brian pillman and griff garrison the varsity blondes so in this match the heels kicked the shit out of the baby faces and beat them flat as four o'clock and the fans cheered every second of it <laughs> if somebody had come to anybody any promoter any booker of any territory ever and said i will give you a hundred thousand dollars in two weeks Make it so that your hottest heel is cheered to the rafters and vice versa. They couldn't have done it on purpose. It's it was almost impossible. Nobody's, of course, ever tried to do these things. But yeah, take your hottest heel and make them the most popular people you got and take your baby faces and bury the fuck out of them. And Julia Hart's sitting there in the corner. She's still got the eye patch on and she's got some kind of malfunction. And. I can't imagine how bad this is going to be when we find out what that is, but she just sits there and turns her back on the ring and mopes. So after this match, and thanks for coming, Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison, uh, another ball they dropped was Pillman. At, at, At least this time, I think, did they beat Griff this time? Remember they were beating Pillman constantly when he was the only one that had any fucking upside? Griff Garrison, if he turns sideways, sticks his tongue out, he looks like a fucking zipper. Then after the match, Moxley does a promo and he puts Regal over and everybody cheers. Then he puts Danielson over as the greatest wrestler in the world and the fans cheer again. They were booing him out of the arena three weeks ago. The perfect heel, the perfect champion. And now they've blown it. And then Moxley droned on forever in the way that he usually does. William Regal didn't speak. Brian Danielson didn't speak. They just stood there and then they left. God damn it. Now they've ruined him. They're doing this on purpose just because we like something. You know that. As a matter of fact, the the guy in the front row had the sign all night. Cornette will not like this. You're right, whoever you were. You want to talk about MJF segment? Yeah, let's please move past the Moxley-Anderson uh, yes. segment. Let's move right on by. MJF was out with Sean Spears and his security. Now he's he's hired his own security, and it was the promo about Wardlow. You Wardlow wasn't good enough to beat Scorpio. He's a pig. Uh, he did MJF did tell Punk there will be a rematch because Punk cheated to win, and he will attend Punk's funeral and piss on his grave. <laughs> Trademark infringement, Max. Stephen P. New calls. Better answer the phone. Um, The people are obviously behind Wardlow. And again, this this is one of those things where all they need to do is just shepherd the folks in the direction they're already going. Just come right along with us. You're already going in that direction anyway. I'll just, I'll accompany you. We'll take you right where we want you to go. But no! Because they always have to throw a stumbling block in through... You know what the P6 principle is, don't you, Brian? No, what's that? Poor pre-planning leads to piss poor performance. They thought this was going to be a good... I mean, MJF did a great interview, and he also said, Wardlow, you don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of, which that's a Mama Cornet line. So he's using my stuff, and he's using Mama Cornette's stuff. But... He does the promo, Wardlow signed a deal with the devil. He can't get out of it. He said, I'm going to strap Wardlow to a cross like Jesus. Can you say that shit on television? These That used to be something that might get kicked off television. Talking about that old crucifixion. There were a few things said
1: on this episode of Dynamite that I was I wasn't offended by, but I was surprised they got
0: said on TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I I I'm offended by very little except for bad phony wrestling. Otherwise, you can say anything. But I I wince when things are said on television that. Anyway, he's going to evict Wardlow's mother. But here's where the thing fell in the fucking hole. Wardlow comes out and has a bad fight with security and security overwhelms him and holds him and immobilizes him there. While MJF continues the promo while Wardlow has to, quote, has to sit there and listen to it. Bad mistake. Not only have they just been watching the other channel for 2 or 3 weeks to see how Brock Lesnar treats security. That's the way you get over. They they have their big man, Wardlow, come out and be immobilized by a bunch of job guys in black t-shirts and listen to the dressing down. And then, when security let him go, he backs out with a mean look on his face, and MJF keeps talking. They could have done this right and been accused of copying Brock Lesnar, but it still would have been done right. Or they could have done this exactly like this and buried Wardlow as a goof, which is what they did. You don't immobilize a guy like that. If you've got the security there, they should have been fodder for him to fucking beat up and throw around while MJF made their his escape and even got to Spears. MJF need to be the one to make the escape. Yes, of course, they're doing the same thing on the other channel. Well, here's an idea. Just don't do the same thing they're doing on the other channel. Or if you're going to do it, don't make your guy look so much worse than the other channel's guy. Wardlow's a dipshit with his dick in his hand after this. Have you ever seen security hold the babyface monster and immobilize him like that?
1: Again, like you said, it's not just Brock Lesnar. We've seen other guys. We saw 10 of the Dark Order beat the shit out of a bunch of security guards a few weeks ago on TV.
0: That's 10 of them, I get, but, but no. You no, we, see, we saw 10 of the Dark Order, not 10 oh, different. Oh, 10 of the Dark Okay, I see what you have. The guy yeah. named 10. The, the number 10 of the, ten of the Dark
1: Dimes Order or, beat up yeah. a bunch of security guards. So I agree with you, but... So, so I, but Wardlow can't. I think you're right. The fans are behind Wardlow, but I actually think the promo a couple of weeks ago was a mistake. And yeah. I think this was a mistake. I think it's one yeah. of those things, build the heat, say as little as possible be on the mic as little as possible in a way give the fans as little of Wardlow as possible just make them wait to really want that match with him and
0: MJF and don't not... let Wardlow talk let Wardlow do let MJF yes. talk and let Wardlow do yes and Wardlow was talking and then he wasn't doing what if MJF had come to the ring I'm just this is out of my ass completely now I just thought of this if MJF comes out the ring and starts cutting the promo with Spears and says and I've got security standing by because since Wardlow doesn't work for AEW, he works for me, and I've told him he better not be here tonight. I've got security that I'm paying standing at the back door. Or they will not let him in the goddamn building. And then you could break a camera loose to go to the back door and see Wardlow is pulled up, and he sees that through the fucking double doors, the back of the arena, through the windows, he can see these guys standing there, and he tries to open the door, and it's locked. And the guy walks up and says, shakes his head you can't come in and then MJF continues doing his fucking promo and all of a sudden you go back to the camera shot because maybe MJF refers to something in the back like they're going to be there all night make sure Wardlow can't fucking come in and just then you see Wardlow driving a fucking pickup truck through both those doors sending a couple of the security guys up over the fucking hood I've done that to somebody before. They weren't hurt too bad. And that's the way he comes in the fucking building. And then he, he could drive the goddamn truck. Moxley can come out of the parking lot every goddamn week. Why can't Wardlow drive the pickup truck that he just bashed the doors in into the arena and jump out of it and MJF's already run off or whatever, anything other than being emasculated, having his cock cut off, and being held there while he was given a verbal dressing down and then let go and allowed to back out of the arena with a mean face. Fuck you. I want a goddamn homicidal maniac after MJF, not a goddamn putz. They made Wardlow a putz. All right, are we moving on? I think so. Okay. I hope so. So now Trent and Muffin Top and Pockets are exchanging fake verbiage upset at Wheeler, Utah for probably the fucking ballet tights he was wearing last week, but also for leaving the walking off away from them and joining William Regal. So wait a minute. I got a fucking idiot that works at Jiffy Lube with his hands in his pockets, a fucking guy named Taylor that looks like a fucking baked good gone wrong, and Trent who can't even figure out what his last name is. And they want me to hang around with them, or I can go hang around with William Regal, Brian Danielson, and, well, and the plumber. Good Lord. All right. Next match. Jay Lethal versus Adam Cole. Again, what an amazing match this could have been. If Adam Cole had been booked seriously and properly since he showed up and if Jay J Lethal had been booked at all in any fashion since he showed up again all over the place just collecting names and collecting toys and collecting items is Tony Khan and then you don't see him Jay Lethal looks great he works great he's in shape It's not his fault that he hasn't been used, that he was brought in and signed and then forgotten about and then fucking sidelined. He hasn't defeated anybody of any consequence. So he's an intermittently seen loser now. And Adam Cole is a joke, a shade of his former self that was beaten by an aggressive hug by the company mascot. So the people would have been red hot if this was... Adam Cole and Jay Lethal in places that they used to be where they were actually over fighting each other, but instead it's here. And so they had a great match and you know, it won't be followed up on. Nobody will remember it next week. And I'm sure that Jay will (laughs) disappear again. But, um, Adam Cole looked more like his old self. Even if he did quit training, at least he was, actually acting seriously and uh, they went through a break and jay lethal got most of the match thankfully that cole did that since his jay's booking has been so substandard they did some nice back and forth going for the figure four and then jay went for the lethal injection cole hits him with a super kick hits the panama sunrise two count And Lethal gets the roll-up, but the referee is distracted by Fish and O'Reilly, and Lethal goes for the lethal injection. Cole ball shots him. I guess now his deal is he just hits people in the nuts and beats them. Because I guess they figure, well, a guy got beat by Pockets, so how is the only way in the world he's going to whip another grown adult man kick him in the nuts? Uh, And he did that and then knee to the head one, two, three. Your thoughts on the match before I'll tell you how they fucked that up, too. It was fine for what it was. The bloom is off the rose with me and Adam Cole. Yeah.
1: It's once you realize, once you see how small he is, it's hard not to see it. It was interesting to learn that Jay Lethal, what'd they say? He was the number three contender for the title or something? <laughs> and I was like, I thought they were like, the one thing they were saying is like the statistics were the legitimate thing Tony takes really seriously, that how the fuck If this is one of those, he wins matches on YouTube, but only loses on national TV, then what are we doing?
0: What is that? He wins the matches you don't see, and he loses all the ones you do. Uh, But again, it was a good match. Could have been better with any oomph behind either guy, but a good match. But then Adam Cole got the microphone, and I wrote, now they're going to fuck this up. They've got by with this segment. It wasn't bad. But now Adam Cole is still saying he ought to be the world champion. Page is scared of him. How do they think this is working? How do they think this has ever been of interest to anybody? Cole comes in and is immediately sidelined by being the second most impressive debut in his own segment. Then his first program is with the goof, the mascot, who he loses to in by a fake move that didn't even look good then he gets his cohorts fish and O'Reilly to have some six-man tags where they do win by fucking people and now he thinks that anybody thinks that he's going to be the world champion or anybody that anybody even thinks that Adam Page should be the world champion it's like the, this world title program is amongst underneath indie guys while the real stars on the program have tag team matches you know that's one of the things too we've
1: talked about the fact that adam page doesn't come across like a world champion not acting like a world champion i don't think fans think of him as a world champion but i also think the feud with adam cole hasn't done
0: anything to help him no it, it that's it's he they they had danielson do a favor for him and that's all that has been done to make Adam Page seem credible as a world champion. He gets weak challengers that get weaker as they go along. And it, here, um, the one thing that Adam Cole said uh, a yeah, great line, Page doesn't have the guts to come out here and face the three of us man to man. Well, that was great. But Page comes out because that's predictable, because that's what happens on every show multiple times on every company page immediately jumps him. Cole ball shots him. They get a smidge of heat. Here comes Jungle Boy and Dino Douche and Christian Cage, the hardest working man in catering. He's going to out eat everybody. That's the only thing else they let him do. And they make save and the heels run off. Remember when this might have meant something? The heels outnumbering the champion and beating on him until he gets saved. It didn't happen five times in every program from every company. So that was that. What do you think about Sammy Guevara and old Ty Conti? Well, it went from, we didn't know they were a couple to, everyone will know they are a couple. Yes. And boy, when Sammy was with his previous girlfriend, what was her name? Oh, Phoebe Figalilli or whatever her name was. She was wearing my Aunt Lola's couch cushion cover in that, Moo she had on when he proposed marriage to her about six months ago. Now he's dropped the the plain Jane. He's traded up to this girl wearing fishnets and tennis shoes. Boy, she looked like a. <laughs> we talk about old Penelope Pitstop being a a prim and proper vision of propriety. Well, this girl's just a a, a, a virgin if ever I've seen one. This whole point of this thing was that Sammy Guevara comes out there and tells the people that he'll always do crazy shit that makes no sense if they'll just chant, holy shit. He doesn't care whether he cripples himself and pays for it or not. It's worth it. And then he gives the microphone to his girlfriend. Where is she from? What language was she speaking? I believe she's Brazilian, so it would be Portuguese if that's the case. Okay, well, she started out in English, I think. Then she went all the way to Portuguese, I'm pretty sure, because I couldn't recognize any of the words, and she made some really weird faces, because this is probably the third television interview she's ever done in her life, and she's mad at Paige Van Zant who's not there, and out comes Lambert and the other Paige and Scorpio Sky, and they say Van Zant is not there, and I fast-forwarded, because fuck this. We're not going to see Paige Van Zant. This is just at this point. Good God. Oh,
1: how did you fast forward what was one of the most cringe-inducing things on the whole show? What did I miss? That Lambert kissed the TNT title, and they're going back and forth, and then Sammy and Ty basically said that Sammy came all over the TNT title when they were fucking, and that's what Dan was kissing, and now there's a piece of them inside of Dan. And he, you know, got grossed out and actually, That
0: actually was said and happened on television. I was about to say more eloquently than I said, but I don't think it was any more <laughs> eloquently oh, than I God said. Oh, God. Well, I'm sorry. I, fa- <laughs> I can't fast forward any of this program. They're constantly embarrassing themselves.
1: That's why I said earlier when you brought up the MJF comment, there were multiple comments on this show that segment, this segment, <sighs> the Vicky Guerrero Thunder Rosa confrontation. Oh, which is, boy. Which is a Hall of Fame segment in some people's eyes. There were things said on this week's show that. I was surprised and I'm curious if this will continue.
0: Well, I was anxious for it to be over at this point because uh, again, we started as far up as we could go and we've been free falling ever since. And after Sammy Guevara, and it's the stupidest to have a baby face come out and say, I don't care whether I win or lose, or whether I cripple myself. I just want to make you people go. Holy shit. What a fucking moron. That's that way. If I liked the guy as a fan, Wrestler relationship, that would make me not like him because that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I don't like people that say stupid things. I I respect and admire and look up to accomplished people who win more than they lose and who don't say stupid shit that make themselves sound like idiots. That's who I want to look up to. if If I'm looking for a hero, we're holding out for a hero. We didn't find one in the next match, though. I'm sorry I missed that. The cum promo about jizzing on the belt. Um, Hopefully Dan did brush his teeth afterwards. Red Velvet wrestled Layla Hirsch. They jump-started on the floor, and I jumped onto my fast-forward button. Oh, you should have watched it. Oh, come on. Red Velvet's got... I I like Red Velvet. I think Red Velvet has something. I don't care. Yeah, fine, and I I like her with icing too, even better. Uh, but when we've gone from punk and Dax, and then we've we've gone downhill to not too far, but at least after the eight man thing to seeing Brian Danielson, and then we get to see MJF, and then Jay Lethal and Adam Cole, and the show is over. They just quit trying at this point, and we get. Sammy and Conti and Lambert and Velvet and Hirsch and then Tony with Thunder Rosa and Vicky Guerrero in the Hall of Fame cringe segment Thunder Rosa gets two words in and here comes Vicky Guerrero screeching worse than ever excuse me and they have an argument over both of them being from Texas and I actually couldn't understand what either one of them was saying because of Vicky's What did Jr. say? There's a lot of stray dogs around here starting to bark, and then Nyla Rose comes out and jumps Thunder Rosa from behind and beats her up. Another, (laughs) it wasn't backstage; it was out on the the uh, the stage out in front of everybody. But it's still another fight between girls that get jumped in an interview, number seven hundred forty-seven, and with the screeching and the Excusing. And it, it, uh, did I miss anything that would have redeemed this? No, there's no redeeming value to this
1: in any way. The fact that the first challenger for Thunder Rose is going to be Nyla Rose was
0: not what I would do either. And remember, two and a half years ago, we said, well, Nyla Rose would be a hell of a heel women's champion. And that would have been the case until she's been beaten by every 90 pound. Lilliputian uh, project of Twinkle Toes and every other girl on the roster and then goes away for long periods of time and you don't know where she is and her manager is only used whenever she needs to say excuse me but otherwise than that, Nala Rose would be great to go for the title Problem is they put it with Vicky Guerrero <laughs> Vicky Guerrero is terrible Why is that the Guerrero that, that Tony didn't ghost? Why didn't he talk to Chavo and Ghost Vicky? All right, finally, the main event on this program that, by the way, also contained CM Punk versus Dax Harwood, the dork order against Danny Garcia and Chris Jericho with Daddy Magic, uh, Bugs Hager, and Cool Whip Parker. And, of course, they're the most popular heels in recorded history because Everybody was singing the song at the top of their lungs when they came out. And this was the main event. We had another nearly 15 minutes to go on the air. So I took this opportunity to say, fuck this shit. And I hit delete. What would I miss? Uh,
1: see, again, I wish you wouldn't have been so stubborn here. Jericho got thrown on his head. or Jericho landed on his head, I should say, from a brain buster on the floor spot. A brain buster on the floor and Jericho's the one's taking it? From the Dark Order guy who's five foot four. Jesus Christ. So I wish you would have seen that. Um, It is what it is. I'm not a Dark Order fan. I don't find any redeeming value in any of the Dark Order, despite some of their comedic efforts. And I didn't really care much. I kind of watched, but I kind of was zoning in and out.
0: So, so, uh, again, what they have, uh, did they get a million this week? They got a million last week. Were they up, down, same? I'd have to check. I don't have it in front of me. Well, maybe we'll figure that out later. It, it certainly didn't set the world on fire. People would have been screaming about it, but again, they start so good and you have hope, and then self inflicted gunshot wounds to the toes. Every time, by the time the show is over, you're like, why did I watch this whole thing? I should have just quit while I was ahead. 1,046,000 viewers. There you go. The worst in the last three months was what? 860-something. The best is a, a right around there. It, 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 they signed the Hardys. No difference. Danielson, no difference. Punk, no Everybody, no difference. They go up and then they come right back down because they keep giving them the same kind of shitty television program that doesn't make any sense because they're ADD-ridden core audience just wants to see a bunch of guys jump up and down on top of each other they don't care if it's fake they don't care if it doesn't make any sense because they're not bright people and they don't they can't follow that shit that makes sense that they have to think about they just want to see monkeys in the cage swinging at each other but they're not going to get anybody else most adults require shit to make sense and to if if we know that it's a work and we know that it's a prearranged entertainment spectacle most people are still going to make you want it to make want you to make it look good so the more they're not going to make any more stars that you can sign away or pick up tony and sooner or later they're going to run out of them The WWE can't fire everybody. Everybody's contract's not going to come up. You're running out of places to find them. Start worrying about doing a good television program. You've got these people behind you, and they love you. Find a few more, because they're they're not going to just gobble down this gook that you're hand-feeding your faithful. They want professionalism. They want shit to make sense. They want a little logic. They don't want substandard, goofy, phony, silly talent. They want stars. And they've gone two and a half years now, and they've increased the talent. The quality of the talent is the best it's ever been compared to what they started with. The show is still rotten because the booking is still rotten. Individual segments shine like new pennies. Overall, it's rotten because did I mention the booking is... There's not booking. There is no booking here. If they had booking, it would be better. They've got a guy with some form of artificially induced energy... And a really shitty attention span, just writing people's names down with ludicrous stipulations and they do the same thing over and over again. The same people might be entertained by that, Tony, but the new ones ain't because you ain't got any. Make some new fans. Calm down with the goofiness and the chaos and concentrate on talent that can speak to people and make shit look good. My weekly advice. Speaking of weekly and the week program, the very week programs that you do at the Arcadian Vanguard Network, what's coming up this week? Another week of strong programs over at the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Get
1: information about all the shows on Twitter at Super Podcasts or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. A few notes. This week on Shut Up and Wrestle with Brian Solomon, available at suawpod.com, or look for Shut Up and Wrestle with Brian Solomon wherever you find your favorite podcasts. This week, Brian's guest is Deborah Josway, who is the former WWE creative director working in Titan Tower, who came up with China's name. There's lots of stories about that, the Royal Rumble collage posters, Freddie Blassie, and so much more. Here today, an inside look at WWE in Titan Towers at SUAWpod.com or available wherever you find your favorite podcast, Shut Up and Wrestle with Brian Solomon. Also want to make mention of the latest episode of Stick to Wrestling with John McAdam. John continues his two-part look at WrestleMania 3 in 1987, including the question, where the hell was Paul Orndorff? Here today at <laughs> McAdamPod.com or look for Stick to Wrestling with John McAdam wherever you find your favorite podcasts want to make mention that the latest episode of the mid-south wrestling television review with myself and Mike Mills is out right now reviewing mid-south wrestling television from December 1983, including seemingly Jim Neidhart just tossing Randy Anderson over his head <laughs> with very little care about whether he lives or dies. Hear more about that and so much more at midsouthpod.com, or available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And, of course, the 605 Super Podcast, The Mothership! Go through the archive today at 605pod.com, available wherever you find your favorite podcast, Opening Day Star Wars, coming at you very shortly. Stay tuned for more information. The Mothership! Hey, that was weekly.
0: Okay, well, it's time for our main event, and we had teased this a couple of weeks ago on the program, and you forgot to do it, to bring it up the next time we recorded. And then last week, we did the Scott Hall, the Razor Ramon, and and uh, Bret Hart watch along, obviously, because that was the week for that. But we want to give the people what we promised a few weeks ago, so today we're doing Bret Hart and Roddy Piper from WrestleMania Eight. That's right. right. That's right. One of my favorite matches of all time. And um, folks, we watched, I haven't seen this match, this show since it happened. I don't think I watched the whole show. I've zipped through the tape. I've seen this match, but it's been, what year was this? 1990. 1992, the Hoosier Dome, Indianapolis, Indiana. So I probably haven't seen it in 28 years or so, but we did, you and I, Brian, before we went on the air. We watched the interview with Hart and Piper that go right before this match. Why don't you set it out? You're the WWF expert back in those days. Both these guys are babyfaces. It's for the Intercontinental title. How did this come about?
1: See, this was such a cool match because they were both babyfaces, but you felt like something could happen here. Mm-hmm. Roddy Piper came back in 1989 and was a babyface all the way through. This guy that was the greatest heel ever became a babyface. And stayed a babyface forever. It was so weird. But at this point, he was finally starting to show a little bit of, I could turn heel if I wanted to. (laughs) Bret Hart got established as a single, really, at SummerSlam 91 the previous summer, defeating Kurt Hennig, another match we needed to do a watch-along of. Yeah. Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 91. And really spent the next six months establishing himself as being the number two guy, the Intercontinental Champion. Right before Royal Rumble, Bret loses the title to Jacques Rougeau the Mountie. The Mountie surprisingly drops the belt to Roddy Piper at the Royal Rumble, which is Roddy Piper's, at that time, only singles WWF title reign as Intercontinental Champion. And all of a sudden, it builds the Bret versus Piper. Two guys, fan favorites who were both rule breakers at different points. And that sets it up. We're going into this match. It's the third match on the show. You had Shawn Michaels versus Tito. Just an opener. Shawn Michaels was just getting established. Jake versus Undertaker. A somewhat big match. Bigger in retrospect, because it's Jake's last match in the WWF for that era. And then this match for the Intercontinental Belt, two
0: babyfaces, Roddy Piper the champion versus the former champion, Bret Hart. And real quick, I got to say the interview that we watched, you and I, before we recorded today, just to get the feel of it, it's hard to do babyface matches. It's easier to do babyface matches when one, or in this case, both guys, have had a history of being heels. Because like you said, people get the idea something could happen. Both these guys, either one, it could, you know, whatever. It reminded me of 10 years earlier in Memphis territory when Jerry Lawler and Dutch Mantel were both the two top babyfaces, but they did a program and they never did babyface programs in Tennessee. But this was where Lawler had come back from his broken leg. He'd been a babyface for over a year and a half. And the the tease with Lawler was always after he'd After he'd done a few too many jobs, try to get other people over, get interest in some program that was going on, he would always start teasing himself as going back heel. The old king may have to come back for this. The old king. So Lawler was like Piper. He was a smartass. He cut promos and he insulted people. He had the quick wit and the quips. And he could get under your skin and verbally he could do that. And the people liked it as a babyface, even when he got a little heelish because he was entertaining and it was funny. Dutch Mantel, just like Bret Hart, a straight-ahead, no-nonsense guy. He wasn't a fucking smart mouth. He was a guy of action. He was the guy that the people, uh, they thought of Dutch much like Bret in that he didn't take any bullshit and he stood up for himself, but he wasn't a guy to go running off at the mouth. And those are the two characters that Piper and Brett in this pre-match interview exhibit Piper starts with his smart aleck stuff that he did with everybody but Brett cuts him off when he starts getting a little too far and hey don't touch me and they the tempers start flaring a little bit and Piper's like oh you don't to be funny what about if I just beat you up and Brett's like try it if you can so they've gone from Two baby faces that are minding their own business didn't want to hurt anybody, but now they've got a a bone of contention over the championship that Brett feels like he was screwed out of not by Piper by the mountie, but now wants to regain and Pipers like I don't care who held this before it's mine now, and now you got a horse race, two different personalities rubbing each other the wrong way. Did I say that kind of right? I think you said that very right. And that promo, again, as a
1: fan, as a 12 year old watching it at home, it was pretty exciting because the promo was teasing what I felt all along. Oh my God, something could happen here. One of yeah. these guys could turn. I mean, you don't think of it in that way when you're a kid, but you know what I mean? One of these guys could become a bad guy again. One of these
0: guys could all of a sudden go to the dark side. It was intriguing. And it there led you into go. this match. So now we got the match at the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. You know what they say up in Indiana? They're Hoosiers cuz every single one of them has to ask, "Who's your mama? Who's your daddy?" cuz they don't know. Ha <laughs> ha. That's old Kentucky humor.
1: The road to WrestleMania that year was filled with Bobby Heenan reminding everyone that he was Indianapolis's favorite Bobby or Indiana's favorite Bobby. I Indiana's guess I favorite
0: Bobby. I over Bobby Knight, I actually have one of those buttons. Bobby Heenan, WrestleMania eight, Indiana's favorite Bobby. Anyway. So how are we going to tell the folks how we're going to do this? We're going to the cock to the peacock on WrestleMania eight. And, uh, you tell them there from there, how we should all be a part of this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if
1: you are on peacock, you must know how to find the WWE section. By this point, I can't help you if you don't. And once you're there, You must find some sort of insignia for Wrestlemania. They may say Wrestlemania. I really don't know what they do. It's Wrestlemania 8, or as some may now call it, Wrestlemania Season 8, Episode 1.
0: Yeah, Season 8, Episode 1 of Wrestlemania on Peacock.
1: So you want to go to Season 8, Episode 1, Wrestlemania 8. The timestamp we are looking for, which is following the Roddy Piper, Bret Hart promo with Gene Okerlund, the time we are looking for 39, 32, seconds while well, 39 minutes and 32 seconds into WrestleMania <laughs> eight. Once again, I want to say that clearly 39, 32, a wide shot of the packed Hoosier dome. Jim, are you ready from your end? As long as the cock works, I'm ready. He is speaking of the peacock television platform or whatever we want to call it but ladies and gentlemen we're going to do how we always do it here hawaiian brian style i'm going to count down once i get to one i'm going to say press play now once i'm finishing the word now once you are finished with the word w with the letter w in the word now oh good god
0: press play good god are you ready jim i wish i was even more ready can we just do this let's do this Five, four, three, two, one. Press play now. And here we go. And ladies and gentlemen, look at that crowd. You'd never dream many of them were comps. Remember, this was Indianapolis, and this was before they had set the stadium precedent for WrestleMania. So this was a gamble. And I think they did 40 something thousand paid, which for Indianapolis and back in those days was excellent uh but goodbye Roddy the sign there yeah Brett comes out the people like him but he's not a smart ass he's not a wise ass they know that he's got the game face on he's serious but they're still behind him but you would think that because Piper was a bit more of an WWF icon at that point that probably you know the majority of the fans attention goes to Piper in this but they d- didn't usually see baby face matches in the WWF. And that goes all the way back to Bruno and Pedro and Shea stadium. When Vince senior, he pulled the trigger on that. He thought this would be the all time record gate, which I think at that time it was, um, didn't they just narrowly beat Blassie and Tolos in the Coliseum? Look at Roddy's face. But anyway, Bruno and Pedro in Shea Stadium only drew 25,000 people and the gate was just a little bit more than they could have gotten in the garden because it was September and it was a rainy day. And because of that, Vince Sr. decided he was never going to do a babyface match again. And Vince Jr., pretty much, except for the notable exceptions, this and Hogan and Warrior, he never did. And that probably was... You know, not the best dialogue, giving the little kitty the glasses. That was not the best attitude to take because he probably could have got a couple of other big matches out of it. But historically, a babyface versus a babyface match is hard not only to to, to get the people into it, but then also to salvage one guy's reputation coming out of it. That's why heel versus heel matches a lot of times had more interest from the fans cuz they wanted to see you know the heels do all the heel shit to each other and you could get out of it a bunch more ways to keep heels heat and or keep them in the right place. Babyface babyface is tough, but these two guys especially Roddy so smart. Brett, at that time he grew up in a wrestling family. I'm sure this was 30 years ago, he he had good psychology but he probably would get a little bit better with a little bit more top experience and here they go nose to nose who's the referee this is before my time there
1: junior from problem child with a mustache I'm not <laughs> sure look at that sign that was a big deal when I was a
0: kid wow the, the four horsemen sign at <laughs> Wrestlemania <laughs> they drop it and get out of there before fucking security comes right <laughs> exactly Anyway, what did you like about this match? Since this was one of your favorite WWF matches, what stands out in your mind, Brian?
1: You know, nothing specific other than it's the tone I like. It's the seriousness I like. It doesn't have to be a babyface versus babyface, but to me, this match is pro wrestling. It doesn't have to go 20 minutes. To me, it could be a five-star match for me if it goes 12 minutes and it's nothing but action, nothing but great story. Yeah. And that's what this match has. This match the story of this match. Look at (laughs) at Brett. And although Brett had won the Intercontinental belt at SummerSlam 91, it's really, in my eyes, this match that elevates him because nobody
0: beat Piper ever. Okay, well, there's true, and there's a point for you. Nobody beat Piper ever. And just being in the ring at this stage of his career for Bret Hart, remember this is 30 years ago, being in the ring with Piper elevated him in the people's eyes because Roddy Piper had been... Hulk Hogan's nemesis, Cindy Lauper's nemesis, and look, again, standard baby face open. Uh, Piper gave Brett the arm drag, Brett gives him the same thing back, and each guy registers in their own way their frustration at it. And the lockups are nice and stiff, and look, Roddy was not noted for working scientifically like this and the wrestling and the riding and the grappling in his matches because he was always either a heel with a hot baby face or Vice versa, but now he sh- and the tempers are flaring already. He showed he could wrestle, but maybe Bret Hart's the better wrestler. Because, again, keeping everybody in the right place, Roddy Piper's a fighter. Roddy Piper's a street fighter. He could wrestle, he could handle himself. This is what the people are supposed to think, right? But Bret Hart may be the better technical wrestler here, and that's probably what Roddy's going to show And then Roddy's going to turn around and he's going to do some of the shortcuts and the little cheap things that he's noted for and the people are not going to be mad because that's Piper. Lock up and test of strength for Junior, the referee there, keeping... I don't know who that fucking guy is. I've never seen that referee before. And now Piper says, okay, Brett, whoop, wait a minute. The technician... Every, each guy here is wrestling like they normally do, but they're not... Remember, I've talked about babyfaces shouldn't just go and try to cripple a guy. Neither guy here is trying to cripple the other. Even though tempers are flaring a little bit, they're trying to be the better wrestler. But because they're both babyfaces, nobody's going to ruin that standing in the eyes of the fans by just saying, I think I'll just haul off and kick Brett in the nuts for no reason. And and again, just the body language. Roddy's trying to pull away from the fucking hole, trying to smack Brett, do whatever he can, but he can't get away from it. Brett finally wrestles him down. It's not what they're doing. It's the body language and the movement and the follow-throughs and the way that they react to things. And now, again, people now call it a rest hold. Imagine that. You don't want to put a hold in a wrestling match. But they're working for something. They're trying to get a, a, an advantage. Now Piper sends him off swinging a duck. There's the technician, Bret Hart, the big drop kick, but oh, he hurt his shoulder because that's the arm that Roddy had been holding on to. Blah, blah, blah. And when he took the bump. Oh, now wait. Okay, now, yes. Brett goes down and takes the bump, hurts his shoulder. Roddy wants to check on him, and Brett suckered him. Now, holy shit, what's Piper saying? Fuck you. That's my kind of shit that I'm supposed to be doing. You think you're going to get away with that? Now he slapped Brett in the face. Brett's pissed. It's an escalation of their, their tempers and their emotions Instead of just going in thinking that we're, you know, we're just going to try to kill every each other right off the bat. And now there's going to be a bit more fucking, oh, 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 shit. They almost missed it, but they got it. Did you see when, yeah. when Roddy caught Brett, those loose ropes, they're real ropes, Roddy's back. Needed to be a little bit farther over the top rope, but the weight of Brett sunk him down. So they he got back under him, and Brett helped him, and they made it over. Great save. And now at, at this point, Roddy still tried to. Oh, they're going to do the open the ropes deal. This was also a standard babyface match spot in the territory days. One guy takes a bump out of the ring the other guy invites him back in and holds the rope open. And this one should work okay. And the next time it happens, it might be a different story. But a nice round of applause from all the people for the sportsmanship. Yeah, the people were really into this. And there you go, Roddy. Hey, look out, your boot's untied. He goes down to tie the boot and there's a left fucking shot. And now the referee's all over him. You shouldn't do that. And again, these guys are noted for taking cheap shots in the past, and now Roddy's like, okay. Oh, did, I forgot Brett got the juice from the punch, right? Well, Brett may have claimed different things to Vince McMahon in the back. Oh, but- that's what – well, no, I don't mean – Here's the, this was the first major example of Brett getting juice, doing a blade job, and then convincing Vince that it was an accident, but I forgot it was on Roddy's punch. But see there, now Roddy has taken a cheap shot, which may have been deserved because of what Brett did, but now Brett's been busted open by it. So now the sympathy from the fans is in Brett's corner, and Roddy's going to get the heat and be a little more fucking heelish about it. And right there, the reason why that they wanted blood was because something had to happen To get And look at Roddy biting it. He's going back to the old heel tactics. Something had to happen to get the people sympathizing with Brett. Because in the overall scheme of things, Brett's the underdog in this anyway. Piper's a bigger star. Now the people are sympathizing with Brett, and they're paying attention to what's going on with him. Important note. Oh, I'm sorry, but important note, by and large, this was an era where there was no blood in WWF. Well, yeah, we should mention that because they they weren't doing blood. They were doing the childishness and everything, the kids' audience. But Brett and Piper, being veterans, knew they needed the blood. And this was the same thing as uh, Brett and Davy Boy, a Bulldog, in what, December 95 in your house when Bulldog sent Brett into the steps and Brett slyly worked his magic and he told Vince, well, it was the steps. It was an accident. Same thing here. And then there was later on this, the same show that flair went out and got juice in front of God and everybody. And Vince went <laughs> out of his mind, hot at flair. That's right. But Brett worked the magic and convinced Vince that it was hard way. But anyway, now Brett's selling Roddy's on him. He's not, he still hasn't just switched full fledged heel, but Roddy is fighting this fucking guy like Roddy Piper does. And now here comes Brett back. Now that oh look at nice shot and nice bump. Now that Brett has been put in the underdog position, the people are a little bit more sympathetic to him. Now when he starts making this comeback, that Roddy's about to set up for him. That's when the babies start going in the air. A nice little double down when he caught him on the neck breaker. And this gives the people a chance to rumble. That's why Michael's used to stay down in the double knockout for so long. Hey, the stupid because if referee, he stayed down, that's a pin, that's a pin. <laughs> well, he ain't noticed. Um, the Sean would stay in the double down for so long because the people would start rumbling. And that's what, he, that's what, you know, they, they do is if you pop right back up, they haven't had time to get into it and start really exhorting their favorite to get up. Now, Roddy's the first one up. He's going to try to put this thing away, but I have a feeling Brett will have something to say here in just a second. And wouldn't you know who won the pony? Boom. And now... Now look at Brett's face. Look at the way he's grabbed Roddy. He's going to break this hold. Boom, he sure is. And now there's Roddy on his ass, and Brett's back in charge. And here comes the comeback. Boom. Snap suplex. Shades the dynamite kid. And now Brett's coming back, and Piper's on his ass. And the people are more with Brett than they would have been if it had been the other way around and Roddy was making a comeback because they wouldn't have gotten into the heat as much because Piper's the bigger star. The underdog needed to get shit kicked out of him to make a comeback. And again, Brett accuses Flair of being repetitious. Brett had the same comeback for every match for 15 years, but it always looked good. And is his best shit. Look at that. That color, though, is good, but it's not gross. And here is he goes to step into the sharpshooter. Look, Piper knows that he can't get this on me or it'll be it. So, boom. It's a struggle. He's trying to fight out of it. You know, but the moves that Brett did a lot were offense, flair, the things he did a lot were selling. True. Very true, which you can make a case for, yeah, a guy should use his best moves on offense better than, is it just happened this way that the people kick the shit out of Flair the same way? I get what you're saying. Nice shot in the face there with the boot as Brett was coming down, and now, here we go, boom, 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 boom. boom. That's what I'm talking about. Open up for the guy. If he can work and you trust him, open up. Don't lay there and cover up and let him windmill your fucking biceps. And we got a ref bump, which didn't happen that often, as I recall, back in the WWF either. Boom. It looked like Brett wanted to go over the top and (laughs) fucking Roddy just cross-faced his ass there. He got him out (laughs) one way or the other. That was a shorter, sharper shot than one would have thought. Who's calling me? Probably goddamn Brett or Roddy, either one. Anyway, we're in this match. While the referee's down, look at Roddy. Now, finally, the true colors come out. I'll win this match one way or the other. And that's exactly what he's trying to do. He brings the bell in. And now he's lost the fans. And now the
1: fans, yeah. they don't want to see him win
0: like this after all yeah. this. Now they're like, wait a minute. Maybe maybe we should have been cheering for Brett all along. Is Piper going to do this? And Brett Gate hardly get up, and they're milking. And I swear to God, they're milking a long time. But now Roddy's thinking, Roddy's hearing it. You know, son of a bitch. Look at it. He's like, you don't want me to do this either, do you? And Brett's helpless. Oh yada, why yada? No, Roddy, no, no. We love you. All right, fuck it. <laughs> and that, for the first time ever, Roddy Piper makes a mistake of being soft on somebody, which may. Play a part. Oh, oh, sleeper, but no. Boom, kickoff, referee back. Three. The out in Roddy's mind and the out in the people's mind was that he could have fucking bashed Brett's head in there and beat him. But the people didn't want him to. And that's when he realized, what the fuck am I doing? And that led to how many other how many pinfall defeats did Roddy Piper have besides this one in the WWF?
1: I think there was one to Snooker early early on.
0: I don't know if there was any. <laughs> okay, so make, there make you go. Yeah. He had an out. He could have won it, but he didn't and it wasn't because he's a baby if he'd been a heel he could have made a mistake and lost. As a babyface, he couldn't make a mistake. He had a crisis of conf- of conscience overdoing that to brett and he didn't and the one time that roddy piper doesn't turn into a dirty son of a bitch he loses the match and he then anoints brett by putting the belt on him as a true worthy champion every roddy piper is still a beloved icon Bret hart has got the one of the biggest victories to his career if not the biggest up to that point and everything's right with the world, and they're both still baby faces after they lost their tempers because they're prideful athletes. Everything made sense. Imagine that. And even though he had
1: the out, the sleeper was Roddy Piper's finisher. So Brett That's right. pinned him out of his
0: finisher. But then you could also say that he wouldn't have had to have gone to the sleeper if he'd have used the bell. Hey, don't turn don't turn this off yet. Keep pressing play. Uh oh, wait a minute. I just I stopped it. But there's Bobby and Gorilla. and oh my god (laughs) look at the size of luger and there's lex luger in atlanta when he was signed to the world bodybuilding federation right that's right and god he's massive because he he got paid to take a year off and just train and do bodybuilding poses and that's how for people are going what the fuck This is a story for another day, but the way Luger got out of WCW and into the WWF was Vince opened up the World Bodybuilding Federation and signed Luger to be his top bodybuilder so WCW wouldn't sue him for being a wrestler. And then after the year was up and the World Bodybuilding Federation went in the toilet, Luger was contractually able to then become a wrestler for the WWF, which he did. And, God, he's huge there. If you remember, too,
1: at the end of his WCW run, he disappeared. He was gone when they were building up the match with him against Sting, which would be the second time they tried to push Sting as the top guy. This time it actually worked a little better. A lot better, I would say. Yeah. Luger disappeared. He showed back up. He was as big as he had ever been, and he blew up right away in that match.
0: He had no stamina whatsoever. Super broad. And and then, and then he showed um, up here. And then he showed well, up. Well, I, I was about to say, and then th- that was the deal. He could, he was still under contract to WCW as a wrestler, right? But he could sign a contract with another company to do something else besides wrestling, and that was his loophole. <laughs> and remember, he didn't even no. do bodybuilding. He was, he was
1: either considered the host or the co-host or just the fun bodybuilding sidekick on body wars or whatever the bodybuilding show was that vince had on the usa network it okay, was by it vince body stars body star not body, body, wars. Stars.
0: body stars body stars body wars body stars that's right uh but fortunately the narcissist uh gimmick was in his future any and we'll go into that on another day at another time is there anything we else we else we need to go to into on this day at this time, on this WrestleMania day or on this broadcasting day? On this broadcasting day in this particular program, I think we could say uh, adios until the drive through. All righty. Well, next week a lot of big stuff coming up. We'll see you on the drive through. We'll be covering two nights of WrestleMania. Whatever stand and deliver doesn't suck, and at least. Part of Ring of Honor's Super Card of Honor to see the the one match that we both actually want to see the most of the entire weekend, which is on a promotion, a, a pay per view presented by a formerly dead promotion that now we don't even know what shape it's going to take going forward. But the most attractive match of the weekend is on that show, so we'll be watching that also. Uh, that's all coming up over the next week. So we're done here, right? That's right. But be prepared for some miserable episodes of this show next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going. They're going to stink. You'll be able to smell them before we even do them. But right now, we're finished, we're done, and we're out of here. We'll see you next week again for the drive through and the experience with all the things we talked about. But right now, adios, amigos. We are out of here. Thank you, fuck you. Bye
2: wednesday nights i get to stay up late which kenny omega while i masturbate hey mom i need to watch the show Meltzer says i'm in the key demo Meltzer says i'm in the key demo My mom's basement I still her i fi fight and i pay no rent you cool, we've got indie stars drop back from wrestling school I children you that I the top of a car he trained himself in his own backyard and this is shit everyone should get, well everyone except Jim Porter Boys, when you can watch the Bucks get seven stars, when you can watch the Bucks earn seven stars. Dynamite award, best ever tag team division. Haven't you heard? We've got Jerry. goes all the way Wednesday nights I get to stay up late watch Kenny Omega while I masturbate Hey mom don't come in go away I'm watching wrestling go away I'm watching wrestling This is wrestling heaven don't listen to Cornyn, he hasn't been relevant since 87. He thinks that luchasaurus can't work with lick, or that Bobby Eaton could hold the candle drive a map warrior. He wants to cut up our heroes with a rusty fishing knife, or get them in the hot tub to play Scott's submarine with him and his wife. And no, Mom, I'm not bitter. This has nothing to do with Jim blocking me on Twitter. And now, here comes Nero. Wearing pajamas like me, he's my hero. The young bucks could shoot on Bus Sawyer, make rock listener, take a Canadian destroyer Don't come in, Mom! Don't come in. Are you touching yourself again? Uh, no. Changing the wife oh, no! Nights I get to stay up late, watch Kenny Omega while I masturbate. Pay my money to watch this show. Elser says I'm in the key demo. I am 39, I'm in the key demo. I'm a single male, I'm in.